Hey guys, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobodies podcast. I am your host, Bobby Gordon, along with my co-host, Kyle Thurkey, and we're going to be talking about the Nashville music scene and the ins and outs of Lower Broadway and a bunch of other random stuff that comes to mind. So if you're thinking about Nashville or new to Nashville and want to wrap your head around what's going on, this might be a great place to start. Take a listen. Welcome back to Nashville for Nobodies. It's Kyle Thurkey along with Bobby Gordon, and we are here with a fantastic guest. That Bobby has no idea who he That's is. That's true. That's a fact. We, we've got we Kyle Austin in the house. Welcome, Kyle. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks you for having me, You know it's going to be confusing? I'm going to be like, hey, Kyle, and you're both going to be like, what? And I'll be like, not you, you. And then the <laughs> listeners are going to be like, what's happening? So do what everybody else does and refer to me as Thurkey, and we'll oh. call him Kyle. Okay. Yeah, the first time I met Kyle, we were at Valentine. He walked up, introduced himself. He's like, Kyle. I was like, yeah. And he was like, no, I'm Kyle. I was like, oh, me too. <laughs> That's epic. Yeah, it was it was pretty fucking funny. I was like, I was like, no, I'm saying I'm Kyle. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm Kyle too. I was like, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> so, what we have is a failure to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which apparently I'm really bad at, I'm learning. But anyway, I don't know the rules. I don't know what we're supposed to do here. Anyways, well, Kyle, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and why the hell you're here in Nashville. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm from, uh, my name's Kyle Austin. I'm from a uh, tiny town in Kansas, almost Colorado, almost Oklahoma, where there's uh, wind, dirt, and alcoholism, and that's about it. There's no trees, <laughs> no hills. It's the most boring place to be. It's All right. But plains. But uh, I'm from out there, and uh, I grew up playing music with my grandpa. Uh, he wrote country music, and we traveled around every week we'd go to different like nursing homes and play traditional country music for those people and then uh there's another thing we did every month that's called kansas old-time fiddlers pickers and singers and it's like this monthly i don't know it's like a club kind of thing okay where uh they did like festivals and you know there was i don't know if they're called charters or whatever like in different towns and stuff but uh, they put on these monthly things that it would be basically kind of like a Broadway gig where all these different musicians would come from, you know, around in different towns. We'd all get together and then it'd be like, all right, you want to sing a song? You'd get up and then they'd say the key and say whatever song it is and they would sing it and everybody would play so it's it. It's kind of like a, a jam. Yeah. Like this all big right. open jam kind of thing. That's pretty awesome. And then, oh. uh, yeah, I, uh, I moved to the other side whenever I graduated to the other side of, uh, Kansas. Um, <clears throat> went to Kansas university um, and I was in a pop punk band with my brother there. Nice. And then, uh, after that, um, I did construction for a long time and then I had my own construction company and then I kind of gave up on music for a while. And then I, uh, I broke my spine or I fractured my spine in two places on the way to a, a, a job. It was raining in my trailer hydroplane, pulled me off the highway. And so I couldn't go oh, back shit. to doing that stuff. So that's whenever I picked up music again. And then um, I had this random opportunity to come out to Nashville uh, to do a writer's round. I had no idea, you know, what it was or anything. So I just bought a ticket, flew out here. Luckily, I had met uh, Mikey Angert before I had moved. We played, like, Call of Duty together a couple times, and I met him on Instagram. And uh, he kind of showed me around and... Um, you know, Mikey is a great person. Yeah. Absolutely love him. Yeah. He's the best Absolutely dude, love him. but he, uh, he showed me around and, uh, he pretty much convinced me. He's like, move dude, you can do it. Just move. And so 
I don't know, like three or four months later, I just packed up everything and moved out here. I need to get him on this show. Yeah. We, we need to get him on here. I would love to have him. I feel like Mikey has, I was going to say something, but then I, I thought about it. I was going to say, I feel like Mikey's touched everybody in a way. And I was like, oh, wait. That doesn't sound. That doesn't sound. Oh, right. he would. He would love to hear that, <laughs> even, even in the inappropriate way. He would love to hear that. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, that that's so. How did so? How'd you meet Mikey? Um. So I I followed a bunch of people on whenever I try to get back into music again. I followed a bunch of people that use like Nashville as their hashtags. Okay. And um, Mikey was one of them, and uh, he um. He just posts, you know, his posts. Yeah. They're hilarious. Yep. So I always commented on them. And then um, he started doing Twitch and I had my own Twitch show for a while. Um, and whenever he first started doing Twitch, I talked to him. I was like, hey, if you got questions, just let me know. He's like, yeah, we should game sometime. And then we started gaming. And then I flew out here and that's when I met him. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I love cool. like relationships that are built outside of music yeah that yeah. become musical that's so neat yeah well i mean it's it's good to meet somebody like that and have a know somebody like that for when you come to town mm-hmm. like it, it it helps yeah it helps it just i mean when i moved here uh the guy that i moved in with he was from my hometown but we were never like friends we just knew each other so it was but just, because you had that connection but, yeah because we had that connection it was the same kind of thing we yeah. came to town it was it made it just a little bit easier so so I, how long did it take you from when you decided to move and you got here to like get to working uh so like i said i was real lucky i knew mikey uh there was another guy i made friends with doing that same thing with instagram uh his name's mac greer oh, um, I know Matt. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever i first moved here um so i have a cousin that lives in gallatin and she let me stay with her until I like started to figure stuff out and uh, Mac got me in on the Tootsie circuit. So it was maybe within like a week, week and a half I was playing shows. Nice. And then um, Mikey, uh, he, he told me, he was like, you need to come to this circuit. So uh, he got me in with Ryan and then uh, I started doing um, famous Nashville. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually snitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've played snitch. snitch I haven't before? played there. No. It's the wildest. I have a couple of times. It's, it's weird. It's, well, it's just the wildest <laughs> thing because it's so funny. It's like this swanky. It's in Printer's Alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like this swanky, nice, like cocktail kind of bar looking place. And then. But kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Right. Kind, <laughs> kind of. of. Not really. Kind of, but because, kind it, of. you know, you get the same degenerate people in there. Like, yeah. It's, it's Nashville. It's very Nashville. But it's so funny because it has this look. Because it's right next to this nightclub or whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you go in there and the, the stage is real small and the drums are all, you know, trash or whatever and uh but they they pay really well and then the people that are in there also tip really well mm-hmm. so it's just a weird especially for it being off broadway the way it is yeah like exactly. I've, I've always been surprised at how much tips have come in yeah and actually the amount of people that are in mm-hmm. snitch as well is wild like that place is usually packed yeah i i still haven't been i was supposed to play a gig there and i was actually on a triple one day and that was my third one and i ended up subbing it out i was like I was just dead. I was like, I can't, I can't do these triples anymore. Um, this was a terrible idea. Yeah. So I ended up subbing that out. But yeah, I, I haven't even been to it. I, I know where it's at. I've heard a lot about it, seen pictures, yeah. bunch of friends play there, but yeah. well, that's I, good. That's good to know. I'm, yeah. I'm very curious about it. Now. I just remembered too. uh, whenever Mikey told me to get on the, uh, the jam factory. Whis- yeah. Whiskey jam uh, factory. Yeah. yeah. Um, he literally told me, he was like, give me, give me like 20 minutes. And then I got a phone call and uh, they were like, hey, can you uh, can you play a show tomorrow at Whiskey Whiskey Row? 
And I was like, um, I don't have a band. I just moved here like, I don't know, a month and a half ago or something like that. And they're like, well, get one. Yep. So I called, I called <laughs> that my, sounds about right. yeah. That's how you, you say yes. And then you figure out how to yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. So I called my band back in, uh, Kansas and I said, if I fly you guys out, if I buy tickets right now, if I fly you out tomorrow so we can play the show tomorrow night, will you guys come? They're like, I, I guess. So they all like called into their jobs or whatever. And then I bought them all plane tickets and then they flew out and then, uh, they literally landed. We went and like changed clothes and then we went and played. <laughs> Whiskey, whiskey row, and then I love it. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's, so, how, so how, how'd the show go? It was great. Uh, the show was great, and they like you know how um, like those Jam Factory people they like pop in and like pay attention, especially like newer bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. They uh, they liked us, so they're like, "Hey, can you play Valentine tomorrow?" But our guitar player was leaving the next day. He got like an earlier plane ticket to go back. So he played half the show with us and then he left and then I picked up lead and we did like a three piece for the, the second half of the nice. set. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know you played lead. I, I've seen you with your acoustic, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't really play lead, but I did that day. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to get through it. I'll yeah. be a lead player for today. Exactly. Fuck it. Yeah. That's the attitude though. Like the show must go on. Yeah. You, have to make you, it, you make it, it happen yeah. and you act like you know what you're doing. And then by the end of it, you hope that everybody believed you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I've, I say it all the time. Fake it till you make it, man. Yeah. There's just, just no making it. It's just fake. Yeah. It. It's it's like always you fake. die. Fake it till yeah. you make it through. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you make it through. That, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you pretty much got thrown into the fire almost immediately. Man, that's the best way. That is it, the best yeah. way. Yeah. I wish I would have done that. Honestly, I, I really wish I would have instead of mm-hmm. like going the route that I did. I'm glad I did things the way I did, but also there's times I'm like, I should have just. That's the thing. Like, if you show in. up and you go downtown and you listen to some of these bands and then you're like, okay, I'm going to get good enough to do that. You're never gonna feel good enough to do that. Yeah. But if you just <laughs> jump in and you're like, oh fuck, it's a bar show. Yeah. I right. can do this. Yeah. And then you just get better well, once, with everybody. Once I started looking at it that way, oh, it's 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 just a bar show. It's yeah. just tourists watching. Like they're not half of them aren't even paying attention. Yeah. Once I was able to see it that way, instead of freaking out of oh, this is this band show, like it came a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize that ninety percent of them are great human beings, and they're going to help you along. And yeah. Yeah. Like everybody's super fun to be around, and so. You flew your band in. Yep. They Which did those two shoes. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely. <laughs> There's yeah. easier ways to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I I honestly thought he was gonna be like, oh yeah, Mikey, Dean, and Eric played for me. You right. Know, they're like, group. I, yeah. I wish I asked them, but I think they're on the road. And uh, he was like, he was just trying to help me while he's on the road. And he's like, you know, I'll get you a gig or whatever. And then I was like, you guys aren't gonna make it back by tomorrow, are you? He's like, no. I was like, dang it, you're the only people I know. <laughs> <laughs> so when what what year did you move here? Uh, let's see. I've been here for a little over a year and a half. It was, okay. uh, okay. August of, let's see, I guess two years ago. So 2021, okay. 2021. Yeah. Nice. Hell so. yeah. I mean, you seem to be doing very well. I mean, you're, oh, thanks. You, you're playing shows and you've had some pretty steady gigs from what I've seen and paid attention to. So, cause I met you. Well, I didn't really meet you until like seven or eight months ago, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was watching you weekends prior to that because you would always either play before us or after us or whatever. So right. I'd, I'd always seen you and seen your show and your band's great. So 
that's what I was getting at is your band. You flew your band in here and then they flew back out. So the, then did you start trying to assemble a band? Did you try to get those guys to move here? What did you do to put to get a band together? I tried to get uh, a couple of them to move um, and they wanted to. It just It's funny whenever you're the person that just like packs up and is like, you know what? I don't really have much in here anyways. I'm just going to move to Nashville and go do this versus like, you know, convincing other people to feel the same way. Yeah. Right. You're like, I have a job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so um, it didn't really work out having them move out, but I, I got really lucky. I posted on, um, yep. Okay. On, okay. Uh, yeah. Young entertainment professionals, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I posted on that and, uh, I had a few people reach out to me, but, um, I had these two or this one guy that was like, I got a whole band and, uh, I was like, okay. Um, you know, that's a little forward that you have all this stuff. So maybe I'll, you know, I'll, uh, I'll check around on some other people. And um, I realized how hard it was as a nobody in Nashville to like try and get players or decent players that you believe are decent. Yeah. So I went back to him and uh, they've been my band ever since it was uh Wyatt, um, Wyatt Thomas. Oh, okay. He was yeah. uh, on bass. And then uh, there's these two other guys, uh, Noah Harden and MJ. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been my best friends ever since. And uh, we play every show together. So, Hell yeah, that's, that's awesome, nice. man. I love that everything is transitioning back to a band format. Yeah. Like, it makes me happy. I mean, not currently, because I'm not in a band, and so that hurts me financially at the moment, <laughs> but eventually I will be, and it'll be great. <laughs> See, I'm I'm in several bands, but venues keep closing for private events and stuff, and I'm like, God <laughs> right. damn it, what do I do now? <laughs> so, speaking of that, you have some side gigs or side hustles that mm-hmm. you do, correct? Yeah. So what you repurpose old furniture or like, yeah, so I, I saw you were doing like a bed, a uh, bed frame last week or something like that. Was it, was it a headboard? I'm trying to remember. Um, it been two weeks ago. It was a bench. I think, bench. I think it was just a bench. Okay. Um, but I, um, so back in Kansas, I used to have, um, an assistant because I was on social media. I posted, uh, four, four or five. Uh, YouTube videos a week. I had a morning show called Coffee Chords and Country on Twitch where I'd stream for three hours and uh, I would just drink coffee and play songs like requests and stuff. And then um, I also had TikTok and all this stuff. So it was hard for me to balance all that. So I hired an assistant and I didn't have the money for that. (laughs) So I would just go on uh, Facebook Marketplace and I would type free or I'd go on Craigslist and type free and there would be people on there that were like, uh, Hey, I have this nice couch. I just, I need it gone today. So I would, I would mess with them and be like, Hey, I'll come pick up this couch. Uh, and I'll put it in my truck. So I would download their pictures that they used and I would go collect the couch. And then I would put it up on Facebook marketplace for $200, $150. That's say I'll deliver it for 50. And then within the next two hours, somebody would be like, Hey, I'll take this couch. $200 and then if you deliver no, it that'd be great because and it's already in the I would have truck. bought like, so much shit if I had a way to go get it yeah. or they would deliver it right yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been like look I'll give you another hundred if you'll deliver it yeah. and they're like oh I can't I was like well then this is over yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I would I've found a way to like pay her through doing that stuff like free I would just type in free and I'd go find stuff and then it turned into like uh, like I said I had a bench um, it was some outdoor bench that this guy was like Here's a dirty old bench um, 
free for anybody that come pick, comes and picks it up. And it was an outdoor bench. So I went and grabbed it, and then I went and got a sample size, like paint at uh, Home Depot. And I have a paint sprayer, so I just sprayed it and then put it up on Marketplace. Like, that's just what I do. Like, I try and get all that free <laughs> stuff that people think isn't worth a damn. I love it. Nice. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I kind of did that during um, during COVID. I, I did a little flipping and hustling on Marketplace, and then I started up my lawn care business. But after my divorce and I moved from Kingston Springs over here to Nashville again, I did a lot of that, but with shit I already had. I was like, hey, you know, I've got this. Like, right. Going to sell it. And then I would like the couch that I got for free when I got the couch that I currently have, I like did the same thing. I just like flipped it. Yeah. And made some money off of it. I well, need to start doing that. I mean, again. looking at it, I can't, I've got I a can't truck believe and trailer. some of the stuff, like an old dresser or something. Somebody will take it and paint it like a fuchsia yeah. and then sell it for like 400 bucks. Exactly. And it's like, what? That's paint, dude. Like Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's that simple, though, and that's why people don't do it is because they don't realize it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that you probably will get from this, since you said you had a lawn, lawn care company, is uh, I look for, like, mowers and weed eaters that people are like, doesn't run. And then I put a new spark plug in it and run new fuel lines, and I clean out the carb, and then it runs, and that cost me a total of $8. And then you I wanna, sell it for You want to come fix my mower? Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a weed eater for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought uh, four weed eaters and a chainsaw for $25. I did see that nice. one. Yeah. I did see that one. I was like, yes. Yeah. I, was like, I love it. I had to triple check with the guy. I was like, so all of it, $25, right? He's like, yep. One of them's a still. Uh, it's a, there's a pool and wild thing, chainsaw, and then some like off-brand feather light or whatever chains or weed eaters. But Yeah. See, that, that's the part of my education. I mean, I grew up in Possum Trot, Kentucky, and I can't tell you the first thing about like small engines or anything mechanical at all, really. So when I'm like, oh, mower doesn't work, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's how a lot of people feel, and that's why they get rid of that stuff because they're like, oh, it's broke. It doesn't run mm-hmm. when it doesn't really take that much to do something like that. You know, YouTube is everybody's friend, you know. I actually <laughs> – so I have a zero-turn mower, and – you know, it's springtime. So it's like, all right, cool. Got to pull the mower out and cut the grass for the first time. Go in. Of course, the mower's been sitting all winter, so it's dead. I got to charge up the battery and pour new fuel in it. And then it starts right up. I got to put it in gear and back it up. It's not moving. No, dang not it. moving at all. And I'm like, what the hell? Let's turn it off and get up. Look under the drive belt is just like up. Oh no. One of the springs, when I started the, uh, the mower, it shook the deck and it popped Not off the, the tension spring, and then the uh, the belt just like got caught up and everything. So I have to pull these three pulleys down and like re-run Redo, it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, it's gonna be a while before I cut the grass. And then thankfully, my neighbor just bought a brand new mower, so he's like, hey, I'm gonna cut your grass for you. I was like, cool, because my mower is dead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I'm getting my grass cut for free until I fix that shit. But I got to do that here this week. I but- got. A- I got one of the the electric push mowers, which is fine. I can do that. But I've got my John Deere riding mower that I'd really love to just cruise around and just mow the yard in like half an hour. Yeah, right. And it's dead. <laughs> but it's sometimes it's just like that seems like a daunting task is a belt, you know. But like, how much is a a belt? Like we're talking under thirty bucks. Yeah, I think it was like twelve or fifteen bucks. Yeah, like under that. thirty bucks, and you know somebody would give away a riding mower. Well, because for, it needed a belt. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, it just won't drive. And, and then yeah. they'd go spend a thousand bucks on a new one. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and s- instead of even taking it somewhere, that will do it for 
less than 200 bucks. They'll yeah. still just go buy a new one, which I, that's, I think a lot of just to today's society's mentality is just when it's broke, we'll just replace it. There's, there's plenty where older generations didn't have that option. Just go buy something new. They didn't have right. the money. There weren't this. You duct tape ec- that some bitch until it yeah. literally disintegrates. So everybody had to learn how to fix it. Now it's like, ah, we're, we're not going to fix it. We'll just go buy a new one. I <laughs> yeah. mean, but I mean, a lot of stuff in society is made that way too. So that it, when it, it breaks, it's, it's it is supposed to, to be tossed yeah, and you're right. supposed to buy a new one. That's why Henry Ford went to a lot of plastic parts. Cause he knew it would break and they would have to get them replaced. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. Is Irritating, is. but true. <laughs> <laughs> Music kind of does that too. Getting back on topic. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been playing since you were ten. Ten years I got old. My first guitar. Yeah. Kid. Nice. Okay. Nice. And you went around with your grandpa and played mm-hmm. all these places. So you said you had a, a Twitch show. Or you just like yep. streamed and played music and drank coffee. Yep. That's um, pretty every, awesome. It was every weekday morning from eight thirty to eleven thirty. So it was like a three three hour time span. And then uh, I would also do like evening streams where we would do like themed video games or we'd play with Mikey or, you know, stuff like that. So do you still do that stuff or I'm working on it. I, uh, so whenever I first moved here, I lived with my cousin. I didn't really have like, I have this whole setup with like screens and lights and cameras and microphones and stuff. And, uh, I couldn't really do it in my cousin's house. Cause I had one room basically, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I tried to do a couple times there and it didn't really work out. And then I moved to uh, an apartment and um, with the roommate I live with now. And I didn't really have room there. So we just upgraded to a new spot where I have a whole studio and stuff. And I'm piecing that together. Okay. So, nice. I can start so that it's back on its way back. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. So you were doing that before you moved to Nashville mm-hmm. and you said you were like playing covers and stuff. So did that kind of help you as well? Like get ready for like Broadway? Cause like you just, you just got thrown. I mean, on I mean it sounds like he was basically so, doing the yeah. Broadway thing, and that's how he learned. Yeah, yeah. If that's, you're doing jams with people exactly. and setting in with people, and I mean that's that's essentially how I learned. The thing that blew my mind that I didn't know was going to be such a big thing was, uh, you know, at that age, whenever I was like ten, eleven, twelve, you know, we'd go in and they'd be like, "Hey, here's a song. Here's the key," and then doing that enough times, I understood which chords were in the key mm-hmm. and then whenever i heard it i didn't know the number system but i like did right yeah. and uh then eventually i figured out about the num- number system whenever i was in college i was like oh i know these i already know what this means i just yeah. didn't really know you there was a number yeah, now, yeah. now you literally just have to assign numbers to it yeah. like, this makes it really easy yeah so whenever i came in and uh they were like all right this is the key of e or whatever and it kicks on the four i was like cool i already know what that means like yep. i was real lucky that uh, you know, at that age, I was building all that information, and then here it just transferred immediately. That's awesome. Yeah. That that that's so. Awesome. I started learning kind of similar. I played in my dad's band, so he's mm-hmm. a drummer and country music drummer. He'd pull a lot of guys to Paducah from Nashville, so it was like I was playing in Nashville bands. I was just in right. Paducah, yeah. and I'd get up and I'd play drums, and they'd call a song I never heard before, and I'd figure it out on stage. And got, you know, really good at the request part of it. So right. the, the not necessarily knowing a song, but being able to get through it. And then in high school, I was like, well, I'm going to put together a band. We're going to make money and it'll be awesome. And so I get my friends that play music and we all get together. And I'm like, all right, let's play this song. And they're like, well, I don't know it. I was like, so? Yeah. Like, that's never stopped anybody before. Yeah, we'll get through and it. And then I realized that, like, 
in most circumstances, people learn the song right. and then play the song. They don't just play the song. Right, yeah. And so having that background moving to Nashville both helped and hurt because I never learned any of the songs. Right. I just played them all. Right, yeah. So I played them all wrong, but close. Right, yeah. So like I could get through it, but it was obvious that I never like sat down and learned the song. Right, yeah. And so it, there's there's two different skill sets involved when yeah. you're doing the the Broadway thing. You got to be able to learn music, but you also got to be able to understand music to play it on the fly. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm and I'm in the same position like you like you said uh you know you learned all, or you played all these songs but you mm-hmm. never learned them. That was yeah. like my thing too. I showed up and I was like, "Oh, this isn't how this goes." Oh, okay. Yeah. I've only played it like this forever. Right. Like, and then you <laughs> go back and listen to it and you're like, "Oh, well, now that I think about it, I don't know that I've ever actually listened to this right. song that Ex- wasn't being performed. <laughs> exactly. I get into that a lot where like uh, someone would be like, hey, we're going to play this song by this person. I'm like, oh, I never knew who did this because it was just my grandpa that sang it. Right. Like, it was always yep. that. So I run into that a lot too. But you're from Tennessee? Uh, I'm from Paducah, Kentucky originally, oh, Kentucky. but not far. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Very, like I'm still learning Tennessee and Kentucky. So, so I'm, I'm about two hours from Nashville is where I grew up. Right. And then since my dad was in music and all his buddies were Nashville guys, there was a lot of back and forth. And yeah. so I kind of grew up in a smaller version of a Nashville scene. Right. So I'm very familiar with like the people and the process. And I've been coming here since I was a kid. Nice. So Britain, was, where are you from, Kyle? I am from south of Houston in Texas, Sugarland. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sugarland, what a name. Yep. I wish there was a band. Uh, right? Name. Great band name. Yeah. <laughs> that, somebody should capitalize on it. <laughs> I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. They asked where I was from, and I was like, Sugarland, Texas. And they're like, oh, is that where the band's from? I'm like, no, they have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Nothing at all. <laughs> Never bring that up again. <laughs> so that's why a lot of times I just say Houston. Because also if I say Sugarland, well, they don't even know where the hell that is. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that's like, like yeah, Houston. I'm from Possum Trot, Kentucky, but the closest anything is Paducah. So I'd say Paducah. I feel like that's a, you know, there was always that joke made in Kansas where, uh, like, I'm from a town called Lakin, but usually whenever it's like, hey, where are you from? I'm just like, Lakin. They're like, mm. Then you'd be like, what's the next biggest town? Garden City. You'd be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. it's always that. You always give them the town. Yeah. If you're from a small town or like, you know. Where's the mall? That's yeah. the one. <laughs> yeah. That's where you're from. Yeah. The problem is, is my hometown is not a small town. It's still a very large city, but like. Unless you're from Texas, still but no like one Texas is like a country-sized state. Yeah, yeah. So, it's massive. It's ridiculous. So a small city in Texas is a big city in most places. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me to watch this movie called Vengeance. I was I told them I was from Texas, and they were like, "Oh my god, do you have like the Texas mentality? And like, are you in love with Whataburger and yada yada yada?" And I was, you know, some of the things I was like, yes. And so I was like, no, I left Texas for a reason. Right. You know? And uh, so I went and watched this movie, Vengeance. And it was like every family I knew growing up, it was, that's exactly how they were. Just like in love with Texas, didn't know anything outside of Texas or their town. Whataburger is like the biggest thing in the world to them. Like, oh my God. So if you haven't seen the movie Vengeance and you want to learn some, uh, what Texas people are like. Go watch that movie. <laughs> so it's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fucking All right, accurate. so growing up in, I'm assuming, a pretty big country music area, since you said there was pretty much nothing there, and then playing country music and learning everything, and then you mentioned pop punk band. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing now? What is your... Country. Uh, I, I have... Um, 
I have an album I put out uh, back in 2020. I recorded it myself. I put all the instruments on it. Um, but I there's a lot of like pop punk influence in that uh, with like syncopated guitar, bass, nice. and uh, you know kick drum, like stuff like that. I have a lot of stuff like that in there. Um, so I still try and like drag that up. But it's weird because I do um, like real traditional country type stuff. Okay. Um, almost uh, even. I th- think the actual genre is like cosmic country you know culture wall okay yeah like uh it's like I'm not um familiar with it i'm it, slightly familiar yeah they i'm call not it, like knowledgeable yeah it's like modern cowboy country is what they call it like okay. um you should definitely check out culture wall he's it's he's super interesting like um i don't I know like how the term cosmic country though yeah it's it's weird because you know whenever i whenever people talk about cosmic country it sounds like a spacey thing but it's mm-hmm. not it's like traditional cowboy country but modernized yeah so but yeah culture ball is awesome you should check out his first album it's crazy and so you have you have an album out is it on spotify and streaming and all that Mm -hmm. nice Mm -hmm. yeah that's all the stuff uh, i want to go back to the pop punk thing mm -hmm. because obviously i'm a big pop punk punk fan really Uh, i didn't know this about yeah um so how long did you do that for uh, I did that. I mean, I, I've always been in love with pop punk and uh, post post hardcore and uh, stuff like that. My brother was huge into that stuff. He's a drummer. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I was pulled two ways with my grandpa. You know, I'm grateful he did it because I have a, you know, a love for it now, but shoving country music and stuff like that down my throat. And then, you know, that older brother, younger brother syndrome, like you want to, you know, be their best friend and their whatever. So I, he loved, uh, post hardcore and like we listen to like all that remains and uh of mice and men and uh the story so far and stuff like that so um i was like pulled in two different directions so whenever we left my hometown and went to the other side of kansas we did a we made a pop punk band um where we had a girl front and then i played lead guitar and also fronted it was like a guy girl hell yeah dynamic thing and i have a real low voice so it worked out that you know she sang a lot and then it was a dynamic range you know right. like i sang a lot of low stuff and she would she sang all the high stuff so hell yeah it's pretty cool did you did you do that till you moved here how long did you do that for <clears throat> i did that for like four years three years maybe something like that yeah. um was it all like local stuff did y'all tour at all or we tried man i the the problem with that was i was so young and uh i mean we all were i was like 20 right. whenever we first started that or 19 or something like that and um you know we set up in our living room like the drums and the bass guitar and all that stuff and that's how our living room stayed the entire time we you know real nice. college stuff and I, I had a house just like that yeah just like that. yeah and then we would uh whenever i first moved to uh lawrence kansas which is where uh university of kansas is um i uh my first year in college which is the only year I did, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but my first year there, I was so off he campus. You figured it faster than we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it took me like six or seven years. Yeah, I looked at my, I looked at my uh, bill, and then I realized I was like, oh, I'm not even going to half of these classes. Why am I spending this much money on nothing? Man, I should have so. thought like that. <laughs> I was told because I had to. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the mentality. Is if yeah. you didn't go to college and you didn't yeah. get a job, that you needed a degree for then you were going to be poor and i grew up poor so i didn't want to be poor right well shit didn't really change much (laughs) yeah i just didn't know what i wanted to do and i was like maybe i'll come back but i 
Like I'm, that's a big thing. Yeah. Like I tell my kids, like don't go to college right after high school yeah. unless like you have a reason. Yeah. Like wait till you need to go to college to go to college. Try a lot of stuff. Figure yeah. out what you want. Figure out do, what yeah. you want to do and what you're good at. Like what yeah. just like fits your lifestyle. Like right. I thought I wanted to do like well I thought I was okay with doing what I went to college for right. and then about three years in I was like this is awful. Yeah. I hate everything about this. Yeah. I've been trying to do music since I was 13 and mm-hmm. until I was 25 it was basically I was always told no nah, you're never gonna be able to do this no nah, you're never yeah. gonna be able to do this. I mean I was signed to a label and I was told no nah, you're never gonna be able to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know look at me now <laughs> yeah and it's like it's it's crazy because all i wanted all i've ever wanted to do as much as i would love to do stadium tours and stuff like that all i ever wanted to do is just like play music for mm-hmm. a living right yeah be it's able to the, do this like and just not have to whether i'm in a studio or in front of people or wherever like i just want to play music for a living and the yep. fact that i get to do that every day downtown is pretty fucking awesome dude uh, when so i'm gonna ask this question when was the moment that you guys played music for the first time that you're like oh i could do this like for a living when when was the first time that happened for you do you remember it all so i where i felt like i could do it for a living or i felt like this is what i wanted to do for the rest of my where you life. felt like so for instance i always thought because I, I played uh you know all these free things with my grandpa and stuff and then i did the pop punk thing and uh, we played a bunch of like local bars and we tried to like branch out and play different spots and we got paid with a shot and a beer and you know uh, you know the door charge which was $13 a piece like yeah we did that and then the first time after I broke my back I uh, got up and played at this bar this guy um, uh, I knew him a little bit and it was this guy and this gal they uh, took a break and they're like, you want to get up and sing a song? I was like, sure. So I got up, sang a song and uh, the owner came up and he was like, Hey man, if you want to play, I'll book you next week. I'll pay you 150 bucks. I was like, 150 bucks. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. And I was like, this could be my job. If I could get that at least three times a week. Yeah. It's 450 bucks. Yeah. So, so with me, I grew up around, full-time musicians so like i knew it was possible right so with me it was just always a question of am i going to be good enough right and then when i really started coming to nashville and hanging out like you see all these amazing musicians but then you got you see guys that are average musicians that are still able to play three four five six times a week no problem Mm -hmm. and so then it was it kind of clicked like there's enough places and enough music is needed in a town like this to where you don't have to be absolutely phenomenal. Right. You just have to be good. I was going to say. And I can be good. Yeah. Right. And that that's what kind of shifted it for me. Like, I was playing in Paducah, and I was playing every weekend, but, like, you can only play Friday and Saturday nights. So I was making my two, 300 bucks a week, and, like, I could survive on that, but that wasn't enough. Right. And then when I really started looking at Nashville, it's like, well, if I can do that, you know, if I can make that 300 bucks twice a week, right. Then that's okay. Yeah. Like I can, I can manage that. And then it, yeah, it became a numbers game. Like I don't have to have all the gigs. I just have to have enough. Right. Yeah. And then moving to Nashville, it's like, Oh, well I have to you don't even gigs. have to be good. Good. <laughs> you just have to be good enough and easy to work with. Right. Yeah. And I can be easy to work with. And then I learned it wasn't so easy to work with. So I had to fix that. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
That's hilarious. I mean, you At know, least you were self-aware. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it happens. Uh, for me, it had to have been when I started playing in churches when I was like 22, 23. Because mm. um, my, my ex-fiance back in Texas, her dad came up to me and he was like, hey, I really want you to play for our church. And I was like, man, um, I'm not a member of the church. Like, you know right. how I feel about church and yada, yada, yada. Like, I know I go, but like, I, I don't know that I want to be like that involved. Right, yeah. And he was like, oh, we can pay you. And I was like, oh. It's a different conversation. <laughs> Lead with that next time. I'm like, well, you, you, I do I do need some extra work. And, you know, I'm trying to pay for college and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's like, he's like, so it's a $75 a rehearsal. We rehearse twice a week. And then it's a hundred, I think it's either a hundred or 125 for on the nice. Sunday. And I was like, you want to make 200 plus dollars for the week to. Yeah. Playing music. Playing music. Oh, I can make money. I've been. I've been paying like I've been paying to play places. I know, right? right? Exactly. So I was like, yeah. "Wait, you're gonna pay me, and I only have to like learn like five songs, yeah. really, and like just sit up there? Okay, yeah." yeah. And I was like, "All right, this is this is kind of cool." And then that's kind of when I started to discover Nashville and started looking into it. And then I came out here, and then I saw guys were playing all day every day. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I was like wait, this is all y'all do? And they're like, yeah. I thought it was going to be kind of like Austin, Texas, where like you just see people on the weekends and at right. night. I didn't know it was all day, every day. Right. Music at, is a side Yeah. Everywhere in the city, the hotels, the yeah. restaurants, the bars. You're like, okay. And so I got an opportunity to play here, like just jump on stage, and I did it. And I was like, this is cool as shit. So I decided to move here. When I moved here, I still didn't think I could do it. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Like, there's no way I could make it in this town. I just want to be surrounded by music. So I had a day job, and then somebody hit me up for a weekend tour, and they're like, yeah, it pays $600. And I was like, that's more than I get in two weeks of my current job. Mm -hmm. I'm playing music. And how long do you need me? They're like, Friday through Sunday. Yeah. So I can still do my normal job and then go on the road with you guys? Yeah. yeah. Like, no fucking way. Yeah. And that that's when it really clicked for me. I was already here, but that's when it really clicked for me. Like, oh, you can make money from this. Right, like, there, yeah. There, there are opportunities mm-hmm. to do so. And then it just... And then enters the arguing with everybody that this is a real job and yeah, a valid right. way to make money. Yeah. Yeah. But what what specifies a real job? To me, are you are you making money to pay your bills? My thing is like, (laughs) so they look at the amount of money I make, and they're like, "Oh, well, you could get this job and make more money than that." And I was like, "Yeah, but I'm working four times as much. Right? Yeah, I make enough money to survive and have a shit ton of free time. Yeah, you don't. I work twelve to sixteen hours a week. Yeah, like, (laughs) and like I've got kids, so I get to spend so much time with my kids that most parents don't." Cause they got to work. Right. And it's like, yeah, you, I could probably get a job that pays a little better. Right. But I'm working 40 to 60 hours a week. Yeah. You can't be, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> my, so my dad's argument to me when I first started doing this and like, he would always tell me to go back and get a day job. Now he supports me completely, but he would always make jokes about me going into a job. And I was like, well, like what, what makes my job so much different than yours other than like the, the actual job itself? Like I'm still getting paid. You are still getting paid. Like I can pay my bills. You can pay your bills. Yeah. It's still a job. Yeah. Like, and he goes, well, you don't have health insurance. And I was like, no, I have health insurance. He goes, yeah, you pay for it. And I said, 
doesn't your health insurance come out of your paycheck? Right. I was mm-hmm. going to say, so do you. But yeah. <laughs> well, then so do you. Well, I mean, my company, I said, yeah, but you're still you're still paying for yep. it. Yeah. And I was like, and you're probably paying for a bunch of extra stuff that you don't need. I was like, I pay for the insurance that I need, and it's not, I pay way less now out of my pocket than I was at my job. Right. And I was like, that's. And, and you know, four hundred one k's and stuff like that. You're still paying into it, right? Yeah. Like it's you can still do your that money without a corporation yeah. above you. Yeah. So like, like that's to me. I never understood that mindset. I was like, I'm still making money and paying I think all my that's bills. That's just that they don't understand how that works. <laughs> so it's easier for them to be like, oh, well, the company I work for does that for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I can find an agent to help me with that. That's not. Mm-hmm. A, that's exactly what I did. I, I found an no, insurance the, the agent. The worst part of being a musician as a career is freaking taxes, because that's confusing uh, as shit. Yeah, yeah. Don't even. I don't want to talk about that <laughs> oh, yeah, right now. Oh yeah, a sore subject. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is exactly why. I'm sure I you both. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't. Uh, nope. Anyways, so, so everything <laughs> is a write-off. That's the only rule. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Oh, I'm buying. You get a haircut. You did it for stage, right? So it's right off, bro. I'm buying so much gear this year. Like they, mm, nope. That's a thing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna save my money and not buy all the gear this year, and I'll use that money to help. And then in November, check out your numbers and be like, oh, well, I need to spend like fifteen thousand dollars in gear. Let's do this, and then go down your shopping list and. Fucking great Christmas this year. Yeah. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm buying something new every month. I don't care. I'm, <laughs> and then turn around and sell some shit on Facebook. Yeah. Hey, what, for not, cash. Yes. <laughs> for cash only. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Uh, the things we do to have this job. Yeah. The things we don't do that we should do to have this <laughs> right, job. Right, yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Yeah. So you've been here two years, man. So yeah. how are you liking it? How's it treating you? I think it's great, man. Uh, the uh, the biggest thing for me is, uh, like, obviously, you know, falling in with all these musicians and stuff and making all these friends. I love how tight-knit, which you guys already know, the, like, musician community is. Oh, yeah. Like, you walk into any bar, like, live oak or something like that and you're gonna see at least five people that you know and they're all gonna come say what's up to you Mm -hmm. and maybe buy you a beer like and then you have five beers and you don't know what to do with them but (laughs) drink them yes (laughs) but uh i love that and i love the uh the songwriter community is just near as tight-knit like um you know i had never had a co-write before till i moved here and then um i got i got lucky the first co-write i did we didn't write a song because I went in there and like, I had no idea what to expect. And then at the end we didn't have anything. And I was like, guys, I'm sorry. This is my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, Oh, not every time you write, you're just hanging out. Like, you're not going to come out with a song every time you just go in and try to have a good time, like hang out with friends. And then you try to write a song. And if you don't, that's fine. At least you had a good time. Like at least but six months out. later, one of those ideas might paint. Right. Exactly. And then you come out with a great song. Exactly. There was a, there was one actually, um, I don't know, maybe a month ago that a year ago to the day that I had that right with the same people, we were like, didn't we start a song like a a couple months ago? We looked and it was a year to the day almost. I think we were one day off and we went and listened to it. Like, how did we not finish this? This is great. And then we finished it that day. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I love the songwriting community and I love how often I get a song, like write songs and, sitting down with different songwriters and, you know, coming up with different songs that I wouldn't play or songs that I would play or, you know, like stuff that you don't think is a good song and it gets pitched to somebody and people like it. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy because you're writing so many songs. Like 
That's wild. So those are my two favorite things. I'd, about I'd it, like but. to get into writing. I don't have the confidence yet, but I'd like I, to. I 100% don't have the confidence. We've talked about this on the last three mm-hmm. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I think the best way to start is like, since you guys both like are iffy about it, you should write together because have, you guys, have you written songs? Before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well then boom, that works great because you, have you written songs? A, a couple here and okay. there. And then I've, I've done a couple of, I wouldn't classify them as co-writes because that sounds too professional, but right. sitting down with friends and writing a little right. bit. That's the best co That's the, like, you know, I, most of the people I write with, I'm friends with, we show up, we like crack some bush lights and then we bullshit, we catch up and then we start pitching ideas. And if nobody likes it, we just keep talking until something happens. The best, uh, the best example I have of this is I was sitting down with, uh, to my friends, Nick DeLeo and Hunter Mounts, and we went through all of our notes, and we were like, what about this? I don't love that. What about this? I don't know. We were sitting there talking, and uh, you guys know Anna Nicole Smith? Have you heard yeah. of her? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so um, for people that don't know, she was uh, this lady in the 90s. Um, I think it was the 90s or the early 2000s, something like that, where she married this old man uh, for his money, and when he died, she was going to get all his money. And uh, then she got murdered by somebody. But um, we were talking about that. Like, man, it'd be nice if we had like a sugar mama like that where, you know, just need to find us an old lady. And Hunter said, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> and we, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Yep. And then, <laughs> yep. and then we wrote that song. Nice. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was talking to Todd Cameron not too long ago. and We were talking about uh, some of the songs that he wrote and how he's come up with them. He says the same thing. We'll sit down with these ideas. We're like, nah, it's just not working. It's not working. And then one of them will start telling a story. And the same thing, a line will be said. And somebody's like, that's it. it. There's your hook or there's your title. Like, let's work on this now. Let's go for it. Once you have that to anchor you into an idea, you can build around it. But I think the fact that you guys both have some experience uh, writing and you guys are both not uncomfortable, but like not super confident of sitting down with like songwriters and doing that. You guys could, you know, work together and build up that confidence, co-writing, figuring it out, you know, because it's the same sitting with any other person. So you might have to try that and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not wrong there. Worst case wrong. scenario. It'd be great content for <laughs> Instagram or yeah. the Patreon. Uh, we don't have. <laughs> yeah. so again, this is why we need to have camera for. Mm-hmm content well um, since somebody over here is a professional at streaming and video right we could talk to him after the show oh, and get you don't advice. think i was already thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> when he said that i was like light bulb Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably yeah. already thinking well if you put the camera there yeah <laughs> oh, this is pretty room, easy this whole room is going to be rearranged We're keep the legos though oh no everything pretty <laughs> much is staying in here it's just oh. i'm going to rearrange some stuff just to get have it flow better yeah because this when we set everything up, it was just kind of thrown together. We were just like, yeah. all right, let's, let's do this here. This is a centralized location. Cause he lives up in Clarksville. So it was hard. Oh, it was really hard to get people to come out to, to do out. interviews <laughs> in Clarksville. It's like, Hey, do you want to be on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. You want to come to Clarksville? Not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's an extra two hours out of your day just for the drive, you know? So if you're yeah, doing but a, depending on where you're coming from in Nashville, it is here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, but you're, you're here a lot. And, I am. Uh, I am. Um, I did have a question. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. You do, uh, I think it was like the first time I met you, you, uh, you do that thing at Valentine where you come out and you stand on the rail on the table. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you fallen? Have you done that before? 
No, not oh, nice. no, I have not. Good for you, um, man. There's been there's been a few times where like I got on the rail and I like either there was something I stepped in that was wet and I like slipped. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, vans very grippy yes. and the rubber does stick. However, what I learned when I do it after the first couple, the first two or three times I did it, I just like stepped for the rail. Yeah. And I was like, this is a really dumb idea. You're gonna like rack yourself. Yeah. And, like fall. Just this is not a good idea. And even the manager at the time, who's not there anymore, was like, hey, man, like you probably should do that. It's a liability issue. I was like, don't worry. I'm not going to sue the club. Like, If I get hurt, I get hurt. Like, I'm yeah. not worried about it. And he was like, all right, man. Like, I just have to warn you. And so when I started going over there, I realized I was like, oh, I can just touch the ceiling. So I always had two points of contact, right. one, a hand on the ceiling and my foot on the, on the bench. And right. I would just like go over. And I learned how to do it. But then you also have to worry about people that want to touch you while you're out there. Right. They don't realize that like mm-hmm. I'm still kind of like rocking out, and if you touch me at all, I'm going to move. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I did have somebody walk up underneath me and hit me in the nuts once. Oh, that was not cool. Oh, they got removed immediately. That was I. Oh, man. why is that an idea that you would have? He I just thought like he just like came. And he came from like behind, and like he just I don't know like what he was doing, but he just smacked me in the nuts man and i was like <laughs> you know and like everybody saw it. the whole crowd was like ooh, and like even i like kind of dropped down like, all right i'm getting down now and i was like that dude needs to go and yeah kicked him out immediately he'd be picking his te- teeth up off the floor but uh <laughs> yeah no i thankfully have not fallen um i haven't played the valentine in like a month or so now so i haven't done it in a minute um i do play there tonight We'll see if it happens. Well, it depends on the crowd. He's got to remember how to do it now. Yeah, right. I'm like, I'm like, how do yeah. I point to He's got his leg on the ceiling. Is this how it goes? <laughs> this is it, right? I'm Complete, upside like, down here. one-handed <laughs> handstand. You'd be like, um. I was going to say, you should uh, find, because do you do it in the same spot basically every time? Yeah, same yeah, spot you should, every time. You should get grip tape and just wrap it around the rail. And... <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That way you don't slip off. They come out like, why is there grip tape yeah. all just these? Oh, that's where Kyle stands. Yeah. <laughs> For our listeners, this is not professional advice. This yeah. is probably an awful idea. Yeah. This is, don't don't do what I do. They're all awful ideas. Yeah. Don't don't do what I do. I never have I said what these I do. These are things people come up with when they're drunk and then keep doing them. Right. And the funny thing was, the first time I did this, I was drunk. Of course. And I really thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to bust my ass. Yeah. And I didn't. Do it I was, anyway. I was like, ah, oh, I, I didn't fall. Okay, this is achievable. We can do this again. Let's do this tomorrow night. Yeah. And it just, it did. It became an every night thing. Yeah. Um, before I had the Mohawk, I even would have, when I was playing with Sweet Leah, I had a, I still have it. It's a unicorn, ma- like horse mask. Yeah. And I would put that on. And like rock out during Pony and then take it off and then go stand out there. Right. That's cool. So for like two songs, I would just have the crowd just like f- wherever I was going, they were following me. It was great. Right. <laughs> Wish I had more power to do stuff like that as a drummer. Well, Sweet Leah was the first band that ever like gave me the opportunity. They're just like, hey, just like be you on stage. Like, talk on the microphone, have fun, be you. Like we, we want you to like entertain and show. And I was like, okay. Cause like, I was just kind of just like rocking out, you know, mm-hmm. like I wasn't really, I was running around a little bit, but I wasn't using the whole stage or any well, of that. Well, and the last thing you want to do is upstage the artist. Right. And you. I, I have gotten fired for that before. I legitimately had. So like when I was started playing with new people, I was like, okay, I'll rock out and do my thing, but I'm still going to be kind of reserved. And they were like, no, we want you to just 
they're like, you're awesome. Have fun. Like, just be you. Do Love your thing. like that. And I remember there was one day I came in and I was wearing like a red shirt or like a blue shirt or something. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you're wearing color. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't, you don't ever wear color. You always wear black. Like, what's, why, why are you wearing color? I was like, ah, I was changing it up today. They're like. Nah, stick with all black. It's like, all right. Because <laughs> they didn't want you to stand out or what? That's a great no, transition. They, they just felt like it was uh, it, it was taking away from my persona like because oh. I always wore all black, cut off sleeves. I like, see. Yeah. So like when I wore a colored shirt one day, it, no, it was it was a it was a fucking plaid shirt. That was, it was a plaid oh, pearl snap. I see. That's, that's so they what were real it was. confused. Yeah. Uh. That, they were like, why are you wearing... And I was like, well, I played with a country band before this, and then I came here, and da, da, da. They're like, well, just like. Wear a black bring, shirt yeah, underneath. Just, <laughs> bring a shirt bring another, Yeah. Like, they were very confused. They're like, we've never seen you in anything yeah. other than all black. So I got a message on Facebook just before we started recording asking about a, like, unwritten dress code on mm-hmm. Broadway. Right. And since you're an artist, I figured that's a great question for you. You and your band, like, is there anything that you would not deem appropriate for one of your band members to show up in. I.e. like shorts, cut off, shirt, like what is your kind of mentality on dress? I um like you were talking about you're saying like uh you know artists are afraid, you know, they don't want you to take the spotlight from them and stuff like that. I'm the exact opposite. I'm like that band your sweet Leah Le- or whatever sweet it was Le- like yeah. be you dude. We um like uh my guitar player and my drummer, they play for several artists. So their MO is like, wear black. You can have one thing that like stands out. Like if it's a, uh, you know, like a plaid shirt over all black, your all black stuff. Or if it's a hat that has like a Budweiser logo on it or something like that, that's all you can wear. And that's not me. Like I wear a cowboy hat and I have long hair and like weird facial hair and <laughs> I usually wear these like crazy shirts and so they've they've kind of like started to wear you know I mean they're comfortable you know I'd rather them just be comfortable than like show up and be thinking about that like oh I don't yeah. want to take take the limelight like we're all just silly idiots having fun and playing music yeah. that's what Broadway's we about really are. Well, so yeah. that's, that's what I learned it's, it's different between like touring and Broadway at least my experiences that I've had on Broadway most of the artists they, they really don't care I mean if I were to show up in shorts, I'd probably get made fun of, if anything. But I can wear whatever, and I don't think any of the artists would really say anything as long as it's not super offensive, which I do have a few shirts that might be slightly offensive. But um, for the most part, Broadway, it's its never been an issue. When Sweet Leah, and this was four years ago, they were like, yeah, you do your thing. like Wear whatever you want to wear. Like We yeah. don't care. And But when I was on the road, it was different. I was told, this right. is what you need to wear. There was one guy <clears throat> that I played with. That I used to wear like just like regular like Levi's boot cut jeans and he was like no nah, I want you wearing skinny jeans and that was actually where I transitioned to wearing skinny jeans all the time so I was like oh these like stretch and I can move and mm-hmm. oh okay and they look good in pictures like, I, and I, I transitioned to it now I like them but he was very much like hey this is what you gotta look like we went to the UK and we went to H&M and he was like we're picking out you a whole new wardrobe right and I was like all right, you know, I, I got some clothes that I was cool with. And then some clothes I was like, I will never wear this outside of a stage yeah. or a show ever, yeah. ever in my life. Right. It's not me. <clears throat> Most of the artists that I played with on the road, it was either 
we want you to have the country look, you know, blue jeans, some kind of pearl snap or like nicer shirt mm-hmm. and, and boots. And the other half were, we want you in all black. We don't want you to stand out. You're back there playing your instrument. Just here's your area. Stay here. Right. And so it wasn't until I got on Broadway. There were a few bands that like, yeah, I got to rock out with when we had like our moment, the artist would step away. Yeah. Me and the guitar player would walk forward. We'd rock out, but really we kind of stayed in our areas. We'd jam and whatnot, but we stayed in our areas. When I started playing Broadway and then started working with sweet Leah, they were like, do what the hell you want. Like we, we want to put on a show. You're a showman. Do I mean, I think I've said this before. If you're touring, so, the show and the artist is your focal point right. because that's yeah. that's what you're promoting. You're promoting your artist. Right. Yeah. When you're on Broadway, you're promoting the venue and the bar. Right. Yeah. So everybody has a stake in it. It's mm-hmm. not just the artist. Right. So you can you can get away with a lot more because everybody's working toward that as a unit versus trying to sell the artist. Yeah. And you know, as an artist, you get enough attention on Broadway. Like you don't need a band to back you up and just be robots. Like. Mm-hmm. Literally, my band sings enough songs, and we're all silly. We talk on the microphone. Uh, you know, everybody gets to do a cheers. Like, um, we all do dumb stuff, and I still, whenever I walk the bucket, people are still like talking to me, like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are so amazing!" Well, like, again, like if you you're center of attention, attention for yeah. a forty-five minute set, you can be energetic for forty-five minutes. Yeah. You can't be energetic for a solid four hours. Yeah, Challenge yeah. accepted. It has to move around. <laughs> yeah. If you can, it's not easy. Right. But yeah. if that energy gets to move around between yeah. people, right. like you don't have to be 100% energy for four hours. Right. You can be 100% energy when it's on you and then take a breath and let somebody else go. And it's it makes for a much less stressful evening. Yeah. If everybody's sharing a little bit of the load, I think mm-hmm. that makes those long four hour sets easier and also more fun because like if you're, if the burden of keeping this crowd is solely on your shoulders, Mm -hmm. like I feel like that's that's, the second it starts to die down, it just hits. And then like, you can't pick up your confidence after that. But if everybody's doing it and like you get a minute where you're like, Oh man, this kind of sucks. But somebody else is like, hell yeah. Right. Then it can save it. It can save a whole night. Yeah. And you know, if you're, if you're, keeping the crowd like at valentine specifically if you're keeping the crowd out front like my guitar player he'll run out the window and hang out there and like be you mm-hmm. know swinging his guitar around trying to get people in and if you have robots like you're not gonna have that yep right i i tell people this all the time use those windows to yeah. your advantage yeah. absolutely that i just got a message even before just like you on instagram somebody messaged me replied to uh one of my stories that i put up about playing saturday and they're like hey yeah we saw you like rocking out in the window and we thought it was awesome so we came in yeah like that simple like yeah. if you go out to the window and you interact with people wherever they were going they're gonna stop and mm-hmm. if they just like what they're seeing for 10 seconds they're gonna be like all right well this looks fun let's go right. check it out and if they don't like it they can go back to where they're going but most of the time, nine times out of ten, if they stopped to watch you and they're going to come inside, they're probably going to stay. Yeah. And so, yeah, use those windows to your advantage. Like, I had a window bit for a while. Every now and then, like a girl would walk by and like poke my butt or something, oh, yeah. well, and then laugh and giggle and run away. So I put out a bucket and I put on it butt touch two dollars. Nice. 
<laughs> and so I would get butt touches and then like at the end of the night I have like 10 bucks or whatever and it's it's just fun and goofy <laughs> and it catches people's attention oh. and 90% of the time they'd come in and stay for a while yeah uh, I'm, I'm gonna make a bucket for all the window drummers that says that butt touch two bucks <laughs> so yeah I'm gonna make one I'm gonna use it it says butt, butt touch two dollars and whenever they put two dollars in I'm gonna stick my hand out as well as I can go yes yeah. alright Now's your chance. There you go. <laughs> uh, I fucking love it. It's like it's like with Monty when she was in here and she was talking about how the they had the conversation about consent. If you put in a hundred dollars, you can touch my butt. And the guy uh-huh. fucking put in a hundred dollars, and she was like, "We had consent." Yeah. She's like, Here you go. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's hilarious. That's, that's it, it I works. mean, absolutely. <laughs> but back to that, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I don't I don't have the dress code. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Is, is there anything you can think of, Kyle, that's just like an absolute do not wear this on Broadway? Barring like offensive I mean, stuff that should be obvious. Outside of the obvious stuff, like I, I just, unless you're a drummer, this and this is just me, my preference, just don't wear shorts. Mm-hmm. Just, we're not playing outside at 800 degrees. Like you don't need to be wearing shorts. We're in air conditioning buildings. Right. Like even during the summer when the windows are open, we still have AC and fans outside of the drummers. I just, I just think it looks so tacky and I've gotten attacked for this before and I'm sure I'm going to get attacked for it again, but it does, man. I just think now, shorts. Just that being said, tacky. there's uh there's band on Broadway where everybody wears cut off jean shorts and it's goofy as well, shit, but it becomes a thing. That's a right. gimmick. That's so different. that's a different thing. Yeah. And I get like so there's a right way and a wrong way. The the, the <laughs> touring bands, especially like the rock and the pop punk and all that, it's it's different. It's a different dynamic. It's a different look. But like just, I've seen it several times. I'm walking down on Broadway and I see dudes in shorts, like cargo shorts or something. I'm just like. Look at them pasty ass white legs. Yeah. <laughs> My, Mikey, Mikey does it sometimes. He pulls it off. He wears uh, these bright yellow, like thigh high yes. shorts, and then a cut off like that's orange. But, but see, again, Mikey <laughs> does it for a gimmick. He's right. not just like up there and is like his day to day shorts. Well, yeah. he probably does wear those day to day. I'm sure. Yeah, but he does it for a gimmick, right? Like, yeah, and and he knows why he's doing it and like he makes it known it's for like, the yucks yeah. like yeah. yeah and it's 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 that's hilarious i don't have a problem with that kind of stuff yeah. what it, i was always told and i don't necessarily follow it on broadway all the time i usually just wear what i wear but the idea is if somebody didn't see you on stage make sure you look different in the audience so that when you get on stage it clicks that oh yeah of course that guy's with the band that's why he doesn't look like the audience right yeah Oh yeah, I, I walk into bars and immediately people are like, "You're playing next, aren't you?" I don't even have to have my gear. Right, like, You're yeah. playing next, and that's the yeah. kind of thing. Like you want to be viewed as separate from everybody else in there. Yeah. So wear something a little different than just common normal clothes. street clothes. Yeah. So like ten percent above your average. I'm gonna go buy just a bunch of like random suits that are in different colors and just start wearing colored dude, suits. I, I Pinstripe, dude. <laughs> Like my, my goal in life is to be in a band that is successful enough to where somebody that is a professional stylist gets to tell me what I need to wear and look like right. so that I don't have to worry We're about not, it. Yeah, that's my thing, too. I always like never know what to... If I'm trying to pick out clothes that'll look good on stage, I'm like, I don't know. Right. Like I wear work shirts and And then when you it. do get this idea, you're like, yeah, that'll look good. I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I'm just going to wear a t-shirt. If, yeah. you, if you open my closet... Mm-hmm. Black shirts. Yeah. Yep. Just, yeah, that's smart. They, half have sleeves, half don't. Yeah. 
There's there are shirts that I'm like, nope, that does not look good. I won't wear it on stage. Mm-hmm. I I am very picky about the shirts I wear on stage. I am so incredibly picky. I will buy a shirt and put it on if it doesn't look right. I'm like, nope, that'll never be on stage with me. Mm-hmm. And if I like the shirt enough, then if I cut the sleeves off, then I'm like, okay, maybe. But it, it has to fit right 100% yeah, for me. That's my problem. It's, Nothing fits me right. I'm an awkward-sized human. I'm in this awkward position right or phase right now, like between the large and the extra-large shirts. Mm. I'm like right in that like middle ground. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same with small and medium. I'm in a terrible position where I can wear a shirt maybe twice, and then after I wash and dry it, it's up to my belly button. That's because you're tall. <laughs> How tall are you? Never had six three. Okay, so you're, you're two inches taller, but still, like, you, I I feel that there's several. I have shirts like that too that I loved. I had a Rolling Stone shirt that I loved, wore it three times. Yeah, and it's just it's Game too over. short. Yeah. Somebody told me the other day they're like, you should make it into a crop top. I was like, yo, if I get that six pack back, Absolutely. crop top, we'll do yeah. it. We'll do it for summertime. I'm fucking down. Yeah, I uh, I just started buying uh, pre-shrunk these shirts right here. I just started buying these uh, pre-shrunk shirts. Like, have you heard of True Classic? Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's not that brand, but it's something like that where it's uh, these shirts that are pre-shrunk. It's supposed to look good on, you know, every body type or whatever. Yeah. I just got those because I was tired of buying a shirt. I kept going to Ross because I had to keep buying shirts. Just buy, like, some random shirt. It's, like, pink and said Maui and Sons yeah. on it. Well, there's so many different brands that are out. I could... Instagram uh, advertisements all the time, and even some on Facebook for all the, like several different like T-shirt brands that are supposed to like fit better and they yeah. don't shrink as much and they stay in the length. Because yep. again, being over six foot, like that's one of the biggest problems for shirts with me. And I have wider shoulders, so it brings the shirt up a little bit more right. too. And it's like, oh, okay. Just like in elementary school, and girls had to like lift their yeah. hands up, does their shirt or their skirt go up? I do the same thing for my shirts now. I'm like, okay, am I lifting my hands up to like do a, a right. toast? Yep. And am I going to be showing half my gut? Exactly. If I am, absolutely not. Yeah. I am not wearing this shirt. Exactly. So um, I I can I, I get that it it sucks, man. Yeah. Um. So you've been basically on this whiskey jam circuit since you've been here. Mm-hmm. Um. How many shows do you play a week? Uh, three to four. I used to do five, um, but I'm I. My thing is, whenever I first got here, I was trying to figure out how to continue because back in Kansas, uh, doing music, music and like uh, YouTube and stuff was my job. Yeah, like I'd, that's how I made my money, and I wanted to make sure that whenever I moved to Nashville, I wasn't getting some, you know, like working at Guitar Center or something like that because I wanted to make sure that I still did music. Right. So I, well, you'd uh, already built a brand for yourself at that point too. Right. So like, you don't want to lose what everything you just like built. Like, right. You're going to a new city, a bigger city. Like you want to carry that with me. Yeah. It. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I got on with, uh, the circuit and then I was playing, you know, it's the grind. Every artist or musician makes where you start at the bottom and they, you know, they give you one shift a month, and then, you know, as soon as you start to earn your keep and, uh, you know, build up yourself, that's whenever you start getting more gigs. It's still at like not the, you know, the main stages up at the main bars, but you're still getting those gigs. And then, you know, I was doing like five, six shows a week. And then eventually I started getting some of the better ones, like the better slots and then uh, making more money. I was like, I don't need to do this five times a week because I'm not like writing songs. I'm not doing YouTube. I'm not doing, um, you know, like any anything for myself as an artist. And then uh, that's kind of when I started back off. I try and stick to like three, three, four a week. I, I usually do Saturdays and Sundays. 
and then Tuesdays, uh, we used, it was acoustic for a while. That was usually whenever we just fucked off and played whatever. Yeah, but nice. um, so it just got switched to full. Is band, it all so. at the Valentine? Yeah. Okay, that's my favorite place to play. Yeah. Man, I I was there for. I mean, I, I say was there. I still I'm playing there tonight. I've been there for like five years. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy playing it when I get to. Yeah. So I've I've seen that bar change in so many different ways and it's only gotten better. It's getting more well known. Yeah. And I mean, I personally think the staff there is great. The sound guys yes. are all good friends of mine. Yes. Alex is one of my great buddies the and dude. Kevin. And then I mean all the bartenders. I know they're getting new ones now, but I mean there's yeah. a lot of the bartenders that have been there for a long time that I'm great friends with. And then Ryan I've been working with forever and yeah. So it's it's a great bar. Um, I like the room. It's a cool vibe. Yeah, it is. It is, man. Like, and when you have a packed house in there, it's the best. Oh, yeah. That it's, whole section right in front of you is full of people, mm-hmm. and everybody is paying attention because the sound is so good in there. They've got extra um, uh, extra speakers off to the side to hit like the middle of the room instead of having those ones just up top mm-hmm. and the subs down low where it works best by the sound guy, and that's it. Like they have extra speakers down low to hit the people in the front, so. I just feel like they they put in a lot of effort. Like uh, we played last night, and we played Watermelon Crawl, and they sw- switched nice. the uh, the um, the lights to red and green, and they would do like pink and green, and then red and pink throughout the whole song. Like <laughs> nice stuff nice. like that. Yeah, they're just yeah. I so love they that place. they just changed the lights there. Just yeah, like maybe five months ago or yep, so. They're pretty it fresh, was pretty recent. Yeah, nice. Before we only had like purple lights and it was terrible i hated it i yeah. got all the pictures there were terrible really? I actually that was <laughs> i went up to alex one day i was like hey man um look i know you have some kind of pull around here i was like but these this whole lighting situation needs to change i was like every picture i have here we sit there and edit for hours and like we can't get rid of this purple color yeah and he's like oh we're changing the lights next week i was like thank god because yeah. <laughs> every picture i have here is terrible i have to turn them all to black and white like or like completely wash them out yeah but that's what i love about valentine is like you know you you can talk to them about that stuff and then they'll listen to you and like you said like all the bartenders are cool the staff is cool like the dishwasher when he walks in he walks up to the stage gives me a fist bump goes up mm-hmm. like everybody there is like that yep you got to love an environment like that where everybody understands they're on the same team. Right. We're yeah. all there to help each other make money. Yeah. What, what made me feel great about working there is I used to play Fridays and Saturdays there. Friday, I was there six to close and Saturday, I was there six to 10. So every Friday in between the shifts, like right around nine 30, I would order food. And it was like maybe after two months of doing that, every time my food would come out, they would have some kind of note written we love you, Kyle. Good job. You're doing great. Just right. like, yeah. just something that, from the kitchen staff, like the people I don't ever see, but they like know who I am and right. like mm-hmm. make it known. I was like, okay, like even the st- the kitchen staff here is like likes me and talks to me and writes me notes. Like, okay, like I like I like places like, like I felt yeah. like part of a family there, and it, it was it's good yeah. security awesome. too. Yeah, yeah, the security guys are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I do love the security. Dude, they came through the window that night. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That his jaw still hurts. Uh, I bet it does. <laughs> Dude comes through the window and like security just like grabs him by the leg and jerks him and he just face plants right into the just stage as they pull him off and out the door. Dummy. <laughs> yep. It was it was hilarious. Like I was seconds. Like, it yeah. took them seconds. I don't know why those people have um if you're if you're listening and you're not from Nashville, or even if you are from Nashville, 
you're not allowed. You don't have the entitlement to get on stage or yeah. stand on a table with somebody yeah. whenever they're or hit somebody in the nuts whenever they're doing a stance. I had a lady get on. Uh, I was doing friends in low places and I was on a table at Valentine. And I had her just climb up and grab my mic like it was hers. I had to rip it out of her hands. And I popped myself right in the lip, just started bleeding. These That's people, a good way man. to get hit in the mouth. I know. So, <laughs> I, so I was actually playing Wild Horse. I don't know if you've ever played yep, there. But I haven't. But, so mm-hmm. I was playing there. It's it's a big-ass venue. Yeah. Like it's it's a venue. Right. And um, we were doing a private event there. And it was my turn to sing a song. I was singing a Blink-182 song. And all of a sudden, like, I'm focused. Like I'm watching the crowd and I'm singing. I'm not like looking all the way over to my right. I'm just straight ahead focused and watching the crowd and singing and just enjoying myself. And all of a sudden I hear this really high pitched voice start screaming. Ah, the I'm like, what the, some girl and her two buddies from this private event just confidently as hell, apparently walk up on the stage and grab the microphone and start singing yeah. with me. And I'm just like, what the hell is and I look over and I'm just like what the heck and I just see four security guards yeah like barrel them just take them off stage done I was like all right I'll never understand that dude like don't 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 ever wherever you are don't come on a stage unless you are invited up by that band you are not allowed up on stage I do not care who you are you're not allowed up on stage. I just don't, don't understand do where that kind of self-confidence comes from. Like, yeah. I would never in a million years feel comfortable doing that yeah. or I, even thinking about doing it. I guess it's just, it's like the people are like, I'm going to go streak at this baseball game. Like, you're yeah. not going to get very far for one. You know this. Yeah, there's consequences. And, like, like, two, like, why do you think you can, like, oh, like, I, I, again, I don't get yeah. it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, maybe we just have more common sense than a lot of these other people. I'm I, I'm learning from this job that there's not a lot of common sense out there. No, there's really not. But yeah, if we're in the top half, there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's like you, yeah. you mentioned Call of Duty <laughs> yeah. earlier. If I'm playing Call of Duty and I'm like top three or four, then they suck. Yeah, the, the rest like, of I should never be. be up there right. in the leaderboards ever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been on the leaderboard. <laughs> like I'm always last I'm or next. Like I might be better than one or two other guys, but if I'm top few, mm-mm, I'm always last when I'm playing round. with Mikey. That dude's way too good. I've I've <clears throat> I've watched several of his little like Twitch things that like throw up just the little clips and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, damn, yep, you're the dude that like I pop in the game. You kill me once, and I'm like, fuck you, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm too bad for this game. <laughs> I was in the game for three seconds and I'm dead. Yeah. Awesome. I know a handful of musicians that are doing the video games, Twitch thing and mm-hmm. streaming and all that jazz. Maybe we should put together like a video game community for yeah. some of us where we get together, we jam, and then we play video games yeah. and eat food because some of you guys can cook. There's there's a <laughs> – uh, I think it would be good. There's there's a thing that Twitch people do called uh, – uh, it's a word that I can't think of now, but uh, it's a stream wherever you guys both stream at the same time. And then you mm-hmm. like attach each other's streams. You'd play video games together. And like, it could be a cool thing where, um, you know, maybe you guys do some music stuff together and then switch over to video games or something yeah, like that. Cool. Yeah. Possibly. So many ideas. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I got a lot of ideas. Yeah. A lot of ideas and not enough time. Is right. We need to sit and talk problem. about some of these ideas and figure out which ones we're going to do. <laughs> Every day I'm always like, all right, I have 
X, X, and X. Okay, I can do all these mm-hmm. things. I've got like four hours, and my four hours of free time goes down to about an hour, and I'm still trying to figure out how the hell that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I schedule myself out pretty well, but somehow every day I'm like, nope, didn't have enough time. Yeah. I, no, I feel you. I can't tell you how many things I got going on right now. It's like, all right, I got a month and a half to figure this out, and then it feels like tomorrow. It's like, all right, well, I missed that because that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was doing uh, a TV performance last week, and the band gave me the songs for the the gig like two weeks in advance. And I was like, okay, cool. I got plenty of time. I'll get yep. this done. I'll sit down on this day, this day, and this day and do these because I was off. Well, on those off days, I then picked up gigs. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, then I'm definitely off this night. I'll do it that night. And I, No, I literally learned them like two days before. And it was only two songs. So it, was like, it wasn't a lot, but it was still it was just like, how did but I have plenty all of, of time, this time turned into nothing? Turned, yeah, it turned, turned into okay, you having to hours. schedule it into your day. Yeah, right. it's, it's rough, man, especially with our like our line of work. But you gotta like set an alarm, and you gotta hold mm-hmm. yourself accountable to get up at a certain time, just so you can like sit down and knock out whatever paperwork you gotta do, or like edit a video, or practice those songs. Like it's hard whenever you play till two thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. and then try and stick to that schedule. Again, having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, um, I was like, I don't know why it's so hard for me now to get a lot of these things done where I feel like I used to have all the time in the world even playing the same closing shifts and this and that. And throughout our conversation, we were talking about the differences differences between my life then and now. Well, I was married then, and my ex-wife would get up at like 6, 6.30 every day, mm-hmm. and that would generally wake me up. So right. then I would just kind of lay around to like eight and then I would get up. So I was only, I was only getting like six, five, six hours of sleep a night, but then I still was like up and doing everything the whole day and then going and playing my gigs. And so now I'm like, Oh, I sleep till noon. Oh, that's where right eight to noon. That's, that's, that's where I had all the free time. Okay. One of my problems is if I do find myself with free time, it's like, I forget all the things that I need to do. So I, I do things that need to get done. So I'll like clean the house or mow the yard or whatever. And then at that later that night when I'm out of time, it's like, oh crap, I really should have done that. Like the grass yeah. would have been fine for another couple of days. I yeah. needed to get that done. I'm I'm good with different. writing things down. It's just now something has clicked in me lately. That like now, like I'm like, no, I'm, I can sleep till eleven. I'm sleeping till eleven. Mm-hmm. I was also never like. I was never allowed to sleep in growing up. Like my dad woke us up to crack it on right. seven days a week. It's like my whole life. I have always been conditioned to waking up early and it's only been the last like year to two years. where I've been like, no, I'm fucking sleeping in. Like I never did that as a teenager. I never, I, I really didn't. I was always up and doing shit. So I'm like, mm, no, I can sleep till noon. Cause I gotta be at work till 10 o'clock tonight. Like, yeah. And but you the know, pro- the older you get, the more sleep you require. I think, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, this is true. I oh, think that's, God. yeah, I, I've been trying to figure out why. Uh, back in Kansas, I played like three, four times a week there too. I would do, uh, you know, band gigs on the weekends, and then I would have like some Tuesday or Wednesday shift that was like right around dinner time. And then while doing that, I was still putting out four uh, YouTube videos a week. Uh, one was a fully produced cover of a song that was probably released three days before I did it. Um, nice. That was my plan was as soon as a song was re- released, I would fully produce a cover of it and then I'd put it on YouTube and then I would put a how to play that song mm-hmm. and then I would do an acoustic cover and then I would post vlogs every week of like just being an artist in Kansas. And uh, I had time to do all that stuff plus a Twitch stream plus, uh, you know, like TikTok and 
writing songs or doing whatever else. And now I play four times a week and I don't have that time somehow. It's right. like you said, it just disappeared. Okay. So my question for you, cause you, you, <clears throat> yeah, I need water. My question for you is you said you played three to four times a week in Kansas mm-hmm. and you still do the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Are you exerting more energy at your shows here than you were in Kansas? Like, are you, are they more energy? Like just, a little bit i've learned a lot about performing i mean back there i still like did a lot of the same stuff and i tried to make sure you know the the um stage presence was good and like you know i moved around and uh you know rocked out if you can to like country songs like uh i don't even i don't i don't even mean just necessarily having like a high energy show i just mean just with the amount of people that you're dealing with and right. the amount of drunk people and just like having to be on your toes. Oh, no, and thinking, that, that social like, energy is what that, drains yeah. me. I think it's worse in small towns. Like, Do you? Yeah, because, you know, in Nashville, which, you know, I'm sure you guys have done a lot of road shows and you said you played a lot mm-hmm. y- younger. Like, I'm, I know you played a lot when you were younger too. Like, Nashville, you're on a stage and there's like a level difference and there's people like bouncers and there's some like obviously there's those idiots, but there's some level of, you know, difference between you and them versus in a small town. It's people. It's a bar that you go to. It's people that see you and you're on the same level as them. There's no stage. You're in a corner of the bar and they're coming up and grabbing the microphone or like, you know, and it's out of love because it's the people that you know you see all the time and they come right. and support you all the time but because you're that close with them they're, they're always like you know play that song like i know you can play it you can play it i don't know it you can play it like it's that stuff yeah. all the time okay so see i didn't really have <sighs> growing up in houston when my bands did play because i was just in the original stuff i never did the cover thing really until i moved here we only like the covers i did back home were like two or three covers a show if that everything else is all original mm. and most of the time we didn't even do a cover we just did our original stuff and but in Houston there were a bunch of venues that we could play at so we were always on stages and there were a barrier and there was security and stuff like that I didn't actually have to start dealing with those small town shows until I started doing the local artist touring stuff here in Nashville right. and I would go back to their hometowns or we would just be doing like a pickup gig here right. in this random city and random bar. And then that's when I was like, Oh, we're in the back of a corner. Yes. To the bathrooms yeah. floor level. Right. So I didn't really have to deal with that until like I was actually already here. I had already, I had already done like all the big stages and then kind of like step down, so to speak. Yeah. But yeah, so that, that's, that's why I was curious. I wasn't sure if you exhausted more energy, like, in the, the small town gigs or like here in Nashville, just cause there were, there are so many more people and you do play on the weekends here when it is busy as shit. Yeah. There's so. definitely a lot more people and like catering to that many people can be more exhausting, I think. Yeah. But I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's pretty similar, but maybe it's not, maybe I'm not recognizing that because like I said, all this time disappears and I had a lot of time back there. Maybe it was because I'm exhausted yeah. from, and that's what I was getting at. Yeah. So I was wondering. One of the things that gets to me that I don't think 
I realized until like I was really in the thick of Nashville is that just walking to and from my car, dealing with all the people on Broadway, (laughs) like by the time I get to the gig, I'm done with people. Right. I'm I'm already over it. Like people just stopping in the middle of the sidewalk and like staring up at a building. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to fucking go to work here. Like pay attention. I'm 15 minutes late. I was supposed (laughs) to be on stage. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's my fault, but move. (laughs) That's another thing, man. Like there are days that you can leave. I I left for an old red gig. We had to be there at eight. And I left at six fifty knowing that there was a concert and a game. I live eight minutes from town. Right. Shouldn't take me an hour. Yeah, I was thirty minutes late just because mm-hmm. they had almost every road blocked off yeah. and there were so many people walking and That's the light would turn too. green and only one car would get to go through and you're like I left an hour and a half early and I'm still 30 yeah. minutes late. Right. Like, how is this possible? So I, I can understand no, the that closing completely. the street. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had to like drive around Nashville completely trying to find a way in because every way I tried to go was closed off for something. Yeah. And it, it's funny. They always close down the roads to like the main parking garages that everybody right. parks. Yeah. At. <laughs> You're like, okay. How am I supposed to get there then? <laughs> yeah. No, and then uh, what was it? Two weeks ago, or it might have even just been a week ago, when they had the structural damage at the library parking garage or one of those. Oh yeah, garages. I heard about that. And so, like half the people downtown like had parking passes there, had to find somewhere else mm-hmm. to park. That's terrible. And that just created even more chaos. And then the Luke Combs, Lady A, and whoever else had a concert, or I think it was, I think it was Preds game, Lady A and Luke Combs all in one night. And so Preds at Bridgestone, mm-hmm. Lady A at the Ryman, Luke Combs at, at Nissan, and it all let out at the, at the same, same time. time. Yeah. People said it took them four hours to leave the parking lot. Uh, Dude. Terrible. I'd have just parked, Hung gone out. to a bar, or walked my ass Took home. a nap, yeah. something. I, I actually, there was one night, man, like, <laughs> one I was drunk as shit so I got to my truck and I was like yeah I'm, I'm not attempting this and I walk out and I like see the line of cars down fourth and I'm like yeah I'm just gonna go back to the bar I go back to the bar and hang out try to sober up a little bit look at Ubers and it was like $70 and I was <laughs> like fuck this yeah I live less than three miles I walked my happy ass home yeah that's smart <laughs> it took me like an hour but I fucking made it <laughs> That's funny. No, I, I've I've decided to just chill and sleep in my car several times because it was like traffic's nuts, and I got a gig in the morning anyway, so I'm just gonna sleep here. Yeah. Well, now the the truck that I have, I can actually do that. My freaking truck is the cabin's massive, so I can just sleep. Before my other truck, I could not. It was not I'm comfortable. Little, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm not. Um, we were talking about the tall, being taller. Yeah. yeah. No, it's sometimes you just planes. After an hour, I'm extremely uncomfortable, and generally, most vehicles, after an hour, I'm pretty fucking uncomfortable. So, (laughs) it's one one of the reasons I don't take many road dates anymore is because I'm like, if I don't want to be crammed into a vehicle if I don't have to be. (sighs) I'd like some more road gigs, but with my schedule and like kids and stuff, it's so hard to plan out. Yet, I 100% am going on the road this weekend. (laughs) I got really lucky. I do like most of the road stuff I do is uh, just acoustic me or whatever. So I, you know, if you ever want to add Cajon, I'd love to go with you. Yeah. I, well, I, uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out like 
how to do that. I'm building my uh, my own sound system. I have lights that I brought back with me from Kansas. I built this own light, this lighting rig I take with me to all my shows. And I had a sound system back there, but I sold it because I needed the money and I was moving well, out I also here. Also have a PA, so yeah. I just We're started building. <laughs> yeah, I just started building one. Um, but I uh, I got really lucky. The only road stuff I've done really was on a tour bus. Uh, some guy needed a guitar player, and I know enough to get me in trouble. I'm definitely not a lead guy, but I know enough to get me in trouble. So uh, he hooked me up, and I was like on a tour bus with a a uh, a bed and like a cot and all that stuff. And I was like, "This isn't so bad. Why do I hear complaints about this?" And then you know, talking enjoy. to other people, they're like, "Yeah, try a van next time." I've like, done a van. <laughs> There's like try, eight people. Try a trucks, minivan. Uh, try yeah. a pickup truck. Try a. I did a Kia Soul one uh, time, I guess. A Ford or not a Ford. I, um, a Tacoma with a four full size grown men. Yeah. In it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I've traveled shit. Actually the very first Nashville gig I did, uh, or like touring gig I did was in Pennsylvania and the band had to leave Thursday and I was like still working. And that's when they called me like, Hey, and I was like, man, I'm still working. Like I work till tonight. Like they'll let me have tomorrow off, but I can't get off today. And they were like, well, if I pay you an extra $200 uh, uh, and give you, uh, like, I'll reimburse your gas, like, after the trip, like, would you be cool with that? And I was like, yeah, I'll drive my own vehicle. Like, fuck it. And I drove my Ford Fusion, me and my guitar player, fucking 12 hours to Pennsylvania. Nice. <laughs> oh, my God. On a bunch of Adderall and Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> Just <Nice>. straight drive. <laughs> And I was like, nope, I'll never drive my own vehicle on a road gig again. And I never, I've done it once since, but it was close. And after that, I've, I've been very picky ever since I started doing bus tours. I've been extremely picky about who I go on the road with and what gigs I take just cause I'm like, I make more money here in town half the time and I get mm-hmm. to sleep in my own bed and I'm not in a vehicle for more than like 15 minutes. Like it sounds pretty good to me. Yeah if you want me to go on the road with you, like you have to pay me pretty well or have me on a bus where I'm comfortable right? <laughs> or in, or at least in a really nice hotel rooms. I enjoy doing road stuff. So like, I mean, I need to make enough money to make it worth it, but like, I don't need to make, I've been doing road stuff lot. since I was 21 and I love it, but in thir- 13, 14 years of it, it, it yeah. it'll wear oh, you out, sure. especially when now what Nashville is, cause right. it's completely different now than it was 10 years ago when mm-hmm. I moved here. There's four times as many bars and places to yeah. work and yeah. people to play for. So it's like, Oh, I don't have to go on the road. When mm-hmm. I first moved here, getting on the Broadway circuit was so hard. It was so hard because there weren't a lot of bars and all the guys that played there, those were their shifts. Right. Yeah. And you had to know them and you had to be a damn good player. And then as more bars open and more stages open, there were more opportunities. And by that point I was like, well, I'm already doing the Broadway thing on the road. This will be a real easy transition. Yeah. So, but yeah, when I first moved here, like I was scared of Broadway. I was told you only go there if you want to die as a musician. Yeah. And I was told to stay away from it to do road gigs. That's where you want to be. And so I started doing the road gigs and they were great. They were phenomenal. I, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, however, I'm definitely looking at things differently now. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm older. No, I mean, I was told the you same know? thing when I started doing Broadway. It was like, if you want to be a Broadway guy, then you stay on Broadway. If you want to do anything else, don't be on Broadway. And I mean, 
I could see like some reasons that that was accurate, especially then. But like now, it's just all a this is a job, that's a job. Which job can I get? Right. Yeah. If you're if you're not playing on Broadway, you're probably going to have to get a job doing something else. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about, like Guitar Center or something like that. And you're working longer hours for less money. Yeah. Versus like playing four hours. And you're not doing what you want to do, what you came here to do, what right. you love to do. You're doing something just to help supplement. And those I think bills. I think the I think the only problem with Broadway, and you touched on it, is like if you get to doing the Broadway thing and you leave out doing the stuff yep. for your artist career or mm -hmm. the stuff that you want to do, and you just focus on Broadway. Well, just focusing on Broadway isn't going to take you beyond Broadway right. anymore. Yeah. You're not going to get famous playing on Broadway for the most part. Yeah. Like you have to work on your career outside of that. And if you're giving Broadway all your time, you're right. not doing that. So it's more of just a time management yeah. situation. And as a singer, you can only do so many gigs a week anyway, mm -hmm. like before your voice is toast. Yeah. At least for me, I have a really yeah. deep voice. So we have to knock the, you know, we have to knock the keys down a whole step, two whole steps sometimes, like mm -hmm. just in order to get me to sing. I mean, if we don't, I'm singing at the top of my, uh, my range, the entire show. And you'll burn uh, yourself out. Yeah. I got yeah. three solid gigs in me. Doing Todd that has that like mid high range. And so three gigs a week, he's pretty burnt. Like four is pushing it for him. Yeah. And since I've joined the band, it's helped him a lot. Cause he didn't have, he would sing every show right all the way, mm -hmm. you know, three, four hours through. And now that I'm on and I help him, I give him, you know, I give him a three song break, like halfway between. And then usually I'll do like two somewhere in that first hour or so. And then another two in the last hour, just give him a little breather. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ha having I, that I, little bit of a vocal break can do a lot. Cause like, I, I mean, I've said it a billion times, like as a drummer, I can fight through tired arms. No, that's no problem. I can just keep going and deal with it. If your voice is gone, it's just gone. There's nothing There's, to do. You can't yeah, push so through that. The, you know, touched on it before when I started, I didn't always do the co-fronting and fronting thing. I, that wasn't a thing until the last like year and a half. Right. And then I started co-fronting at the Valentine and I was, I went from doing that twice a week to four days a week to five days a week to literally seven. And I was like, Oh, I can't sing every shift. Right. This yeah. isn't nope. And then I lost my voice for like a week and that was God awful. Yeah, I was the worst. I was like, I've never a day or two. I've gone without my voice. I literally didn't have a voice for a week. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I was still trying to sing songs and I was like, nope, absolutely. like I couldn't even do Folsom Prison. Right. And that's basically talking. And yeah. I, I absolutely not. I couldn't do it. It's terrible, especially if you're like fronting or co-fronting whenever your voice is gone because you feel utterly useless. Mm. Like, luckily, I have uh, Harrison Doyle. He plays bass. I love Harrison. I love Harrison. Harrison's the he's best my dude. dude. Yeah, he's the best guy on the planet. Um, incredible voice too. W Wicked town. Such a player. nice human. Yeah. Just genuinely nice dude. Yep. But, uh, I have him on bass and then Noah Harden, he sings on guitar. And so I'm real lucky. I have both those dudes that yeah. can, you know, pick up slack and, you know, they each do a song or two each hour or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So that really helps. But man, whenever my voice is gone, I, I'm like, what am I here for? Like to play acoustic guitar? You don't need that. Yeah. I feel like the most useless person. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> There, were, there was one week where like Todd was like, man, I don't I don't know what we're going to do. And I was like, well, we all got drop pedals. And he goes, you want to drop it a whole step? I was Genius. like, let's drop it a whole step. <laughs> <Genius>. <laughs> so we did for a week, man. We we played in like drop D, the, the, like, or we were in D yeah. standard the whole time. And I was like, it worked. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. It, it helped I mean us if get that's through. what you need to do to sing through 
the set. Absolutely. Some of the songs, I'm not gonna lie, sounded really weird being that low. But you know, I mean, your average person's like, too drunk to yeah. know. Nah, no one noticed. It works out with me. Like uh, my voice in like, let's say, uh, "Beer Never Broke My Heart." Uh, that's in drop D, but I have a low voice. We do it in drop B flat. So whenever they kick on the drop pedal, it's metal as shit, oh my bro. God, it's amazing. deep. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's tight. That's but, amazing. Yeah. I want to play that with you. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to tell wicked. the boys that I'm like drop B flat. Let's they were going to do this one. Just, drop B flat boy. Trust me on this. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh my God. I think Todd would lose his mind. But <laughs> yeah. We, I had, um, so Noah was supposed to play with me this Saturday and he had a road gig and then he bought a plane ticket because he was like, you know, I'll play the shift. It'll pay off the plane ticket. And at least I'll be back in Nashville. His flight got delayed <laughs> last minute. So did. he paid for the ticket and then he didn't get to play the gig with me. So I got, uh, this dude last minute and, uh, he did great. He was really good, but we did. I was like, all right, this is the weirdest one we do, but it's beer never broke my heart. Drop me flat. And they were all like, what? And I had like some new bass player too. And we got done. They're like, that was the most metal shit right? I've ever done. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, just because of that song, I want to play a gig with you 100%. Just, just, yeah. to just for being broke my heart. Yeah. All right. That's it. You're going to have to pick a shift and yeah. then just hire us on it. Yeah. And, and bring the drop pedals, boys. I'm down. Let's, <laughs> let's fucking do it. Yeah. So you, you don't do a lot of touring stuff. You, you haven't outside of that. Well, I do. Gig. I'm like I'm. Uh, I'm headed to South Carolina this weekend. Okay. Um. I. Uh. I do some. I'm kind of like dipping my toes in that because I used to do traveling. I used to like go to Colorado and stuff when I was in Kansas. Uh, do some stuff in Missouri and you know uh, Oklahoma. I'd travel around and do stuff like that. But here, like you said, as a musician, it's hard to take those dates because you got to pay well in order for somebody that plays on Broadway that you mm-hmm. like trust because they're a good musician. It's hard to pay find something like that where it's going to pay well enough to bring them with you because, you know, like you can stay in Nashville and make 350 400 bucks and sleep in your own bed versus yeah. like go on the road with an artist who pays 200 because it's all they're getting paid from a venue. Yeah. And then, you know, like... Probably for, sharing a bed in a hotel. Thing, like the artist is working on their career, so it's good for them to get out. Yeah, right. But as a drummer, right. like it's just another gig for me, so yeah. why should I go? Yeah, yeah you, you got to have... You got to find those people. And I do have those people that like, you know, we're best friends and they believe in Mm -hmm. me and like, you know, they like my music and they want me to go do that stuff. But also at the same time, it's hard to ask them to be like, hey, they also like to eat and pay their electric bills. I know. I know you're going (laughs) to, you know, make $400 if you stay in town, but will you go on the road with me and like all I can offer is 200 and yeah. And it's hard because like, okay, you're getting $200 for the show. There's two shows. It's $400. Most of the local guys don't do the travel per day per diem. So you're like, okay, I can only eat at these places and I can only spend this right. much. Mm-hmm. So like I still, cause you still want to come home with at least 175 of that show. Pay. Right. So you're like, yeah. All right. $25 a day is my spending limit. Yeah. Well, I'm on the road for four days. Shit. Yeah. You know, it's, so it, it does. It, it and makes when you're it on hard. the road, like during the day, you have nothing to do. So you go look at things and go do things and end yeah. up spending money. It's well, and that's the thing that's hard is, you know, I'm, I'm still fresh here in Nashville and uh, fresh in general too, like a lot of this. And so I don't have the pull to like go somewhere and be like, Hey, you know, I'm a Nashville musician and uh, I'd like to play your venue. I want to make sure I can pay my guys this amount and like get per diem. Like I'm still nobody. You know, so that's the hardest thing. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm trying to, uh, like travel out acoustically 
and find some areas that I can go that they like me and they're like, oh, this guy's good, or you know, we like what he did. Can you come back? Be like, well, I can do a full band thing, but it's going to cost this. Like, I'm trying to. So I have an idea for you that that a guy that I used to play for, he did this and it worked wonders for him. And this is how he got a lot of his overseas stuff when he went to the UK. He would go and find the cities that had venues. And then he would go on Instagram and Snapchat and go to those venues and find their stories. And anybody that was like watching the bands and like videoing the bands, he would go and follow them. And most people on Instagram, you get followed by somebody, especially some kind of musician or something. You're like, oh, I'm going to check them out. You follow them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just follow back. And he would go, and again, this is one of these Instagram hacks. You go and you follow people, and then after like a week, those people you followed, you unfollow them because they're not thinking to unfollow you. Right. So your your numbers of followers stay real high. You're not following a whole bunch of people, but you're following people in those areas. Right. And so if you've got 50 new followers in that area that like your music, start commenting and whatnot, right. then you go, hey, so-and-so venue – I've got this many followers, da, 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 da. these people from here like my music. I'd yeah. love to come play a show here. That's I can smart. at least draw X amount of people. Whether you will or not, who knows, but you at least have some of that leverage because, oh, there's people in this town that do follow me. Okay. Right. So, like, it's something that helped him out a lot. I don't, just something I'm tossing out there for you. Yeah. It's just no, one, it's of good things, idea. one of those, like, marketing tools mm-hmm. for Instagram that it's, if you have people in that city that follow you and probably would come watch you, there's a bigger chance that that venue is going to hire you because exactly. you're going to bring yeah. people there. Mm-hmm. And it's also Makes never sense. a bad idea to talk to people from whatever area you're trying to get into and being like, hey, which venues does my sound fit in? Right, yeah. Because there's and, nothing worse than showing up at a venue and being like, oh, we don't belong here. Right, yeah. And then I'm, I'm sure you've had it being an artist down on Broadway. I mean, people come up to you like, oh, come play my city, da 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 yeah, right. Or even the people like, oh, I own this bar, this venue, and this. I'd love to have you. Would you here. ever come to California? Like, yeah. <laughs> what if I could? It's got Would you pay me to come to California? Man, I was, I was yeah. going to California every other month, but now them flights are just too damn expensive, uh, so we don't do it anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like, all those people are like, would you come to Milwaukee or, you know, whatever, like, If you can make it work money-wise, yes. Okay. So so what you do is when those people say, you know, I want you to come here, you'd be like, cool, go to wherever your biggest venue or tell them a venue and be like, I want this artist to play here. Yeah. Because if you have locals going in, be like, hey, we want this person to play here. Now the venue is going to turn around and look at you and follow you. Oh, local people said that. It's just one of those, you know, Mm -hmm. chain reaction things that will go down the line. Yeah. But we're... uh, we're a little bit past our mark today, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with <laughs> it's it. It's been a fun conversation. Yeah. Yes, it has. It I has. think we've covered a lot of things that we don't cover every other podcast. So there's been some new information that I've really enjoyed. Cool. Yeah. You're actually we you know, we haven't said this. I think you're the first country artist that we've had on here in a while. Since I don't think since probably Noah. Have we had another country artist since Dalton? Dalton counts yet, but he's moving into the rock stuff. Yeah, so he's, he definitely he's is. Borderline yeah, so you're moment. you're the first like uh, country artist we've had on this season. Cool. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> now that we've talked about because normally the the last like ten people have all been rock people, so we've been talking about the rock scene, right? And we didn't even get to like actually touch on the country scene like yeah. I wanted to. I was gonna say I felt like we pretty much just talked about like. Uh, being a musician in Nashville and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of like it's yeah, stuff. general I mean, rules that's, and general yeah. concepts that apply for everybody. It's generally what most of our podcasts are about. It's yeah, just right. Nashville living what we do here and just kind of talking about how our life is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 
Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I, I really thanks, appreciate it. Yeah. Before we get out of here, I am because the rock community is growing a lot, and there is mm-hmm. a lot yeah, more rock yeah. songs that are requested and people play. Like, how do I word this question? I don't, yes. I don't even know how to word this question right now. Like, <laughs> I, I don't. But like, how is it being a country artist in Nashville today? I mean, I guess you wouldn't know how it is fucking ten years ago. But like, well, I, how, how are you? How are you structuring your country-based show mm-hmm. to compete with the more rock party bands Thank that you, you're playing Thank alongside you so much, with? Because especially playing the Valentine, yeah, like. I've I've played the Valentine with Kyle several times and it's been like almost all rock, high energy all night and there wasn't always a whole lot of room for country. So what are you doing to keep your show in league with the rock shows to where it's not looking like you're getting overshadowed? Right. Uh well, we do, you know, we do a lot of the uh the obvious Broadway staples like um Mr. Brightside and mm-hmm. Blink-182 and Country Girl Shake It For Me and stuff like that. We Obviously, we do that stuff. But um, one thing that we do that I think really sets us apart is I like to focus on one person in the audience and then like make a thing out of it between me and that person. And then after three, four songs, I find another person and I make them part of the show. And then so like I can always go back and reference those people and it makes people out there feel like it's all one big thing that we're all doing together. So I do that a lot. I walk out in the crowd a lot. Uh, like if I'm singing something slow, like Tennessee whiskey, I walk out and I find like the oldest lady out there and I like dance with her while I'm singing. Cause everybody gets a kick out of that. Mm-hmm. Or I go find the group of bachelorettes that are sitting at the booth and I lay across all of them while I'm singing. I do stuff like that. Um, we also have a really good set list accidentally. Like uh, we've, compiled the set list together be like here's good songs that work here's songs that we love to play that we want on this uh set list for our sake you know because we love these songs yeah and then here's songs that uh everybody loves obviously the broadway staples and um it's turned it's come to be like a set list that you know we get done and most people are like you played all these great songs like i don't know how you guys compiled this list but your set list is great for a country set list you know like i'm not saying we have the best set list out there just we have not really to a science, but we've kind of eliminated songs that really didn't get much or usually don't get much. And we've stuck to ones or found ones that we pulled out of the woodworks that everybody seems to love. So our set list the is The fact really good. that that's a thought in your head makes me super happy because I can't tell you how many guys I've played with where we do this song every night and it just kills the mood yeah. every night. But we mm. keep doing it every night. Right, yeah. And it, it makes it, it's like, I get it. You probably like this song. Right. It's not working. Yeah. It is not helping us. Pick a different song you like, and we'll try it. Yeah. Uh, first thing I did whenever I got to town is I went and watched Mikey three times a week, and I would write down things he did or his band did that people loved, or I wrote down songs that everybody loved, or I wrote down, like, uh, you know, like Stephen Paul would um, walk the tip bucket and sing Friends in Low Places, and he'd get up on the table and I was like that's a great idea like I, I would try not steal stuff from their show but I would take notice of like what mm-hmm. people loved about their show or uh, which songs like worked the best with the crowd I just sat down and I wrote down all that stuff I did like a lot of research whenever I first moved that's that's 
perfect. Yeah. That is perfect. That's what we tell everybody to do, honestly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> make the crowd feel special. Yeah. Check. Have a great song list. Yeah. Check. Right. Be energetic and fun. Check. If you're fun and you've got all of these things, you're good. Right. Yeah. Then just also having a kick-ass band behind you, which you right. do. I mean, your, your band is phenomenal. Yeah. So. I'm real lucky in that aspect. Like I said, it was one yet post and it was the first person that responded to it. Uh, we've been playing together ever since. That's but fucking awesome. I do have a, uh, a question for you guys that I thought of. What's your favorite uh, thing you've seen on stage that has helped a band get either interactions or make money? Example, Mikey has the uh, tip bucket with the basketball goal. So, I haven't which seen I've that. Always yeah. thought is a genius idea. Yeah, it's I've, a it's a bas- it's like a I've white tip bucket. This so many times. Yeah, it's got a backboard and a net, and then people just crumple up their their money and toss it in there. Beautiful idea. Because the second you get a couple of drunk guys that are like, "Oh, I can make more than you." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're going home with yeah. a bucket full of money. One so um, specifically at Old Red, I I do this with I've done it with three bands now, but they have that top balcony that's just mm-hmm. you know not very far out from the stage and we tell people hey we got three tip buckets up here and if you uh make it in the in the tip bucket we'll buy you a shot just don't don't wrap a coin in it it's just gotta be just paper money and yeah. throw it in there and then i always make the joke uh tens twenties hundreds there or, t- or 20s 50s and hundreds uh they carry more weight so yes. it's easier to make it in yeah mm-hmm. and Better that's something man for the next 20 minutes just, it's just people are just. It's usually just ones, but they're just yeah. tossing because they're like, "Oh, a free drink! I could throw five bucks in, and I, I have a better chance of getting a free drink with this, and cheaper than at the bar, yeah. you know." So, and then people downstairs see that, and then they're really intrigued, and the money hits the floor, and then they're help picking it up, right? So that's that's something we do, but that's that is pretty specific to that venue, right? Um, the other thing that we do that has seemed most of the time to if like if we're if we don't have a tipping crowd the crowd's not doing well they're just not they're just not attentive uh we have a song challenge where we take two songs and we're like hey we're gonna go back and forth between these two songs i would like to interject that i did this on stage with them and nobody gave me a heads up to how this worked beforehand (laughs) and we just went into it and That's I hilarious. was so freaking confused for like the first half. <laughs> Sorry, bud. That's <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, we just take two songs. We're like, hey, you know, like five bucks changes it. And recently we changed it to 20. And for whatever reason, people, still works. It, yeah, it, yeah, it seems to work. But um, yeah, they come in and do. We've literally watched people fight over song. Like just they'll stand next to the tip bucket and they'll and wait. each out. time the band changes to the other song where it left off. Yeah, literally yeah. wherever we and left so off, just we like just pick up. Back and just Damn, forth, that's forth, so back. good. I and want they to don't see pick that. songs that work well together. They pick <laughs> polar opposite songs right, like a waltz where it's like, all right, there's a 20. Uh, how's this song? Oh, fuck, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, hilarious. After you do it a couple of times, like you figure it out, but it, it is, it's very, the first time I, I was the same thing. The first time I got thrown into it, Todd was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. We just do this. Like, here's how it works. Yeah, And that's, yeah. that's the only band I've ever seen so do we, it like that. And yeah. I was, I was and so confused. So yeah, those, those are the two things that I, I've done that, that definitely help like get the crowd involved. And yeah. like, I mean, cause yeah, you can do the toast and you can talk to people, but like you, you gotta do something that like, not everybody else is doing. I right. feel it's like if mm-hmm. you want to get the entire bar's attention, and so when you like, like you said like Mikey's little yeah, basketball, you know, basketball thing. goal like that, so helps. smart. 
Um, a couple that have worked, if you've got the right crowd, we'll do like False in Prison. Right. And if you've got a good lead guitarist, uh, at the end, do a thing. If you put money in the tip bucket, we speed up a little bit. Oh. And then you just keep speeding up as long as they're tipping and the guitarist is flying and doing cool shit. Drummer's flying, yeah. doing cool shit. And that can be really cool. But you gotta be, you gotta be smart about it when you, you do that. It's song. gotta be the right crowd and you can, you can feel it out usually pretty quick. But yeah. if it's the wrong crowd, then it'll kill the crowd. I, I will say, though, you got to be smart about it because I've been in one of the rooms where people just kept tipping and kept tipping, and we literally couldn't go any faster. Yeah. So you got to mm-hmm. start out real, real so, slow. Yeah. So what I do, what I do is playing the song, normal speed, whatever. When we get to the part where the singer starts explaining it, I'm slowly slowing down. Slowing down. Yeah, smart. Then if we get to where I'm maxed out mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing train beat maxed out and we need to go faster... I jump to like a punk rock double time beat. Yeah. And right. so it becomes a punk rock double time beat. And then we're just loud. Right. Yeah. And that usually carries us on out. Yeah. I, uh, this is, uh, not necessarily doesn't work for money, but I, uh, turn my tip buckets into bush light cans where nice. I, I spray painted them, uh, like an aluminum color. And then I went into Photoshop and I removed where it says bush light and I put tips instead. So it looks like this big blue bush light can, but instead of bush light, it says tips and it has our Venmo and stuff on the front. But we push like the bush light things a silly amount. Like we're like, we'll play whatever song you want to hear for either four cold bush lights or four pocket warm $5 bills. And we like push that a lot. So a lot, we get like way too many bush lights, but then we start like flipping it. Like, you know, it's cheaper. Just tip us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and people will realize that too. And like I I do because we got to make sure that the bar is making money. So yeah. I push shots like crazy the second half of the show because I want the bar to make money. Right. And people realize that, Oh, Hey, it's a lot cheaper to toss in 10 or $20 than buy four shots. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you've literally spent double on four shots. Yeah. So, yeah. and people, when people realize they'll buy you one round, they're like, ah, we should just tip them. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, Some people don't get it though. We like, no, there's some people that they'll just keep buying you shots. Yeah, we leave stage with like four full buckets of beer that we don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like, Saturday night, man, we made one comment about shots, and a lady brought a tray up, and I was like, oh, yeah, we did the shots, and then there were three more trays, and I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, not, there's, a, there's a limit regardless. And, yeah. then, and then, of course, like everybody's like, oh, you go take the shots. I'm like, I still got to play for three hours. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> we had a guy one time, uh, we made a mention of like shots or whatever. And this tray got brought up and it was 20 shots of Jim Beam. And the, it was April at Valentine. And she like, she was like looking at me scared. And I was like, no, take them back. <laughs> so she held on to him back behind the bar for us. But I don't know. I don't know if that guy knows how much money he spent. Probably not. On Jim Beam. Way too much. I would love (laughs) to be in a situation in my life where I could spend money like that and not care. Yeah, it would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he bought bought 20 for his table and then 20 for us. No. Yeah. No. So 40 shots total. No. No. It it either wasn't his money or he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. (laughs) He he gave them a credit card that wasn't his or something probably and then left without paying the tab. Oh, man. Yeah. Why are you allowed to buy twenty shots at a bar? I, you know, like, I, I'm. 
I don't that, know. There is no reason anybody should that, do that's, that. <laughs> that's out of my jurisdiction. I don't know. I stay. Yeah. I'm not even worried about that. Well, okay. since well, we're talking about alcohol, yeah. I always do some goofy-ass question at the end of the podcast. Okay. So what is the most comical or embarrassing drunk moment you've had on stage, whether it's your drinking or somebody else's drinking, but alcohol involved for sure? Um... I don't know. I'm lucky enough I haven't really had a super embarrassing moment. Alcohol that involved. ruins my question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to... I can think of something that happened on stage, but I don't think the person was drunk. Um, I had this guitar player. Um, he's a short guy, but... What are you trying to say? No, wow. Well, <laughs> it building up to it, but... Stating facts. Yeah, Stating facts. Yeah, he is. Uh-huh. That's, that's truth. I see how But uh, he... Uh, we had finished our... Um, their break. I played a couple of acoustics tunes or whatever finished their break and he was late to get back up so he ran and he tried to jump on the stage and he hit his shins on the front of the stage and just face planted mm. the whole place like let out an audible gasp and it was dead silent and he was so embarrassed he was like behind the stage or behind the like banner like playing guitar and we just moved on like nothing happened oh, that was man. probably the most awkward thing that's happened I wonder on stage, if that's but. how Morgan Wallen felt when he bit it <laughs> if I fell on stage I would just play into it hard because pe- like have you seen the video of Mikey falling in the crowd when he's he's standing? Oh yeah, at the amphitheater. Yeah, and he's standing on the seats just and playing. just he he just eats shit and he just he's laying on his back between yeah. the seats, just still playing. Yeah, and I'm like, yep, that's that's what you got to do. The best way to do it, but yeah. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this we're gonna is have to a get dangerous Mike. job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to get Mikey on this show yeah, for sure. You absolutely should. All right, Kyle. Well, we appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah. Thank you Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I'd. I have a lot more I want to ask you, so I'd like to get you back on here at some point if yeah. you wouldn't mind. Anytime. Um, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you, your socials and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, mostly everything is just Kyle Austin Music, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Bumble and Tinder, and uh, except for Farmers Only, I'm uh, Wheat Boy 69 since I'm from Kansas. So, uh, But yeah, I have a song out on uh, Spotify and Apple Music, came out in February called Get Out of Dodge. And I will put it up on the playlist cool the podcast awesome. playlist yeah, yeah we, have, we, have a, we have a playlist with uh everybody that's been on here we put all their stuff on there and nice. share it so yeah we'll super proud of that one that's my first one i've released here since i moved here in nashville hell so. yeah nice. yeah awesome man well again thank you so much for coming on uh bob you want to tell everybody where they can find you i am story of bob or story of bob music everywhere but if you type in story of bob i usually pop up and i'm kyle thurkey or thurkey base everywhere again i'm not hard to find you can find me real easy Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I know this one was a little bit longer, but it was a hell of a great podcast. And I hope you guys uh, learned a lot about Kyle and go check his music out. Until next time, AMF. Bicycle. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We have a great time putting it on for you, so we really appreciate all of the listens. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, we are on Facebook and Instagram. So if you just search Nashville for Nobody's Podcast, we will pop up and you can interact with us that way. We also have some more options coming up in the future for interaction, so that'll be a whole lot of fun. So as always, it's never too late to tip your bartender, and please don't forget to tip your band.